0: it's friday august 12th 2022 and this is the people's podcast this is steak for breakfast
1: okay this is not nom this is bowling there are (laughs) rules
2: today junior america steak for breakfast so stand by
0: Podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again it can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram ManRubs. Use the code Steak15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. There at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram StayReadyGearUSA. Holsters, custom Kydex mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom, they got you covered. Use the code STEAK for five percent off. Don't get ready. Stay ready.
3: The pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Always got great savings and deals going down on at MyPillow. Original MyPillows, towel sets, sheet sets, and a promo code stake at checkoff. Get big big savings. In addition to that, we've now got my coffee. Noah loves it. I think it's delicious. It's delicious, I'm
0: drinking some right now
3: no better way to start your day than with a little Lindell in your cup. Not literally. (laughs) Like I said, enter promo code to take a checkout. You get savings at both places. MyPillow.com forward slash steak or MyPillow.com or MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Trying to make me laugh through all the cuts it took to get this out here with the garrison button going on? And there it is again. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies, you don't live in Canada. He's got a five-star rating. He's been making Southern California happier again for over a decade. New the redesign. Easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Take for breakfast packs to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. In addition to that, they got a pretty fire IG. Oh. Mediogrammatic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the Zero Fucks Duck, can be found at dumpbox.us. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at Steak for There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on Truth Social. Welcome, Friday Edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 160. I'm Ron. Noah's here for the intro. Yep. Guys, we've got a great show. Listen, we want to talk about Survivors. The entire Arizona ticket is here. We're going to be sitting down with all of them. In addition to that, we're going to bring you all the news. Joining us first on the show today, she is the Republican nominee for the governor, great state of Arizona. Coming back on the show in this Arizona edition of Steak for Breakfast, Miss Carrie
4: Lake, thanks for coming back. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, I, I got to give you guys credit for helping me with the victory. I, I counted on podcasts and alternative media because the mainstream corporate corrupt media unless they were doing a hit piece on me they weren't interested in covering me and and thank god for people like you who allowed me to come on and and talk about policy and the real issues affecting Arizona that's why we won so thank you
3: yeah we we can't give you enough congratulations it was a hard-fought battle Um, but that is what I want to talk about first so here we are two years out of 2020 and we're still seeing the same failures by the voting system that's currently, uh, you know, set up in Arizona. And some of those things factored into the, we don't want to call it closeness, but the way the race shaped out. Massive day of vote turnout, as usual, it seems to be the uh, matrix breaking, you know, equation for... uh republican candidates now across several states we saw dan cox in maryland recently primary larry hogan obviously glenn youngkin in in virginia and um you know you got to give credit to that base where it's due but was it really frustrating to not have at one point reported it and then campaigned on it but to actually have to live through it as a candidate and go through that week long trying to take the wind out of the sails of what would be a decisive victory for you
4: yeah, it was frustrating, but I knew that going in. And, and one of the questions I kept getting throughout the year plus that we were campaigning was if we have issues with our elections, then how do we know, you know, the vote for you is going to count. And I that's why I said we have to show up and vote like our lives depend on it. We have to win by a mile to eke out a one inch win. And and then we'll, we'll get in there and we'll restore honesty to our elections. And That's what we're going to have to do. And we did show up. In droves, and we showed up in historic numbers. Um, they're still counting. I was just looking today at the the tally, and I think we're still missing uh, two or three percent of the vote in Pinal wow. County. Hmm. We won with nearly four hundred thousand votes. We won every single county, but you know we had we had issues. I mean, can you believe that Pinal County, one of our largest counties, one hour into election day voting they ran out of republican ballots only republican ballots more than a quarter of the polling places ran out of ballots we have issues and we have to fix them and we will fix them i am vowing to the people of arizona when i get into office that we will restore honesty and faith in our elections for all voters
3: yeah that's you know it's good to see that whole trump endorsed america first ticket make it because it seems like the team that you'll be bringing to the state of Arizona uh, this November would be one that is really going to deconstruct the, currently what's going on there and set up something that's going to work moving forward. I think, yeah, I think that's sure. Yeah. We don't see that enough in, in, we don't, you know, see that enough in some States we see great governors or like there's good secretaries of States or attorney generals running, but a top to bottom ticket Factor in an amazing Senate candidate, now nominee, and then a couple House seats. And it's like Arizona is pretty much the battleground state of the uh, midterm elections.
4: And they acted like uh, everything we were talking about on the campaign trail was uh, ludicrous and nobody cared about it. And people do care about it. People realize that if we don't have secure borders and secure, honest elections, then we don't have a country. And, And that's why we're going to deal with those tough issues. They're not tough. Actually, they're common sense issues. Yep. And and I believe that Democrats even want this. I really do. I I think every every voter, whether they be Republican, Democrat, Independent, they want to go to bed on election night, know who the winner is, and be able to live with that, whether it was their guy or not. And I know that we could live with it if if the people I vote for don't win, and it's an honest election. You know, we try again next time. Yes. We can't live with um, elections being shoddy and corrupt. We just can't. We, we won't have a country.
3: No, and, and, and when you have primaries where there's only a few states running uh, at, at a time and you could put something like Arizona under the national microscope like it did, I mean, you had, uh, well, people across social media on both sides of the aisles taking victory laps or trying to dunk on you before the, the results came in. And in the end, well, obviously, you're you're the winner and the nominee now, so it seems to and- all have worked
4: out. And we knew we were going to win. I mean, there there was a moment right when the ballots came out. We knew that our opponent would do well in the first drop of mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. the early mail-in ballots. We knew she would do better there. But when then we started to see the numbers of how well we were doing on Election Day. And we knew really rather early in the night that we were going to win once the Election Day votes came, came pouring in. Um, unfortunately they very slowly trickled out (laughs) and you're right. It took the air out of the sales and we had over a thousand people there for our event that night. And I waited to go on stage until I really had a grasp of what was going on because I wanted what I said on stage to be honest and truthful. And I said, we won, don't worry. We won 70% of game day mail, uh, you know, voting day, um, votes and we're going to win this a hundred percent my opponent's going to lose we're going to win and that's exactly what happened but it took a while for things to start pouring in and then of course it took days for them to count which is is stupid and outrageous and we we need to change that
3: yeah we sure do you know you mentioned your opponent We we don't really need to get into that that portion of the race anymore because it's now behind us but one thing that i saw from your campaign uh that i thought was really positive moving forward because we talked about the uh Total votes on both sides of the aisle, Um, you know, the ones that have been counted up to this point in Arizona. And Republicans, between all of the candidates, had, you know, close to 300,000 more people turn out to vote than they did on the Republican side. And, and your campaign is already talking about unifying that, you know, Republican ticket moving forward to the general election, which I think is probably the best route. You guys ran a pretty tough campaign. There were talking points that you are absolutely on opposite ends on. Uh, but, you know, the person who resonated most with the Arizona voters obviously is with you. And but now it's time to kind of, you know, lick your wounds and, and swallow your pride and get together to make sure that, you know, the Republican nominee is the one that wins and, and turns that state fully red again uh, come the midterm elections
4: absolutely and and we do come together republicans duke it out we fight it out we don't just have the democrat party or george soros decide who the candidate's going to be we decide and that's why we are the party of we the people and becoming more and more the party of we the people as the democrat policies um americans wake up to how Terrible, those policies are. They're coming in to our party. And we are going to gel and come back together. You know, for many, many years, it, it's always seemed to be the establishment Republican who won, and the grassroots activist Republicans were told to fall in line. Well, this time around, the grassroots activists. A, a candidate won, and it's time for the establishment to fall in line. I believe they will. We're already talking to people who are a little bit more on the establishment side, and they're very excited about our victory. I'm excited. I, I talked to um, Governor Fife Symington, a former governor here, yesterday, and we had a lovely conversation. It, this is about saving Arizona, yes. saving this important border state, because truly the governor of Arizona is one of the governors of America. Arizona as a border state is so important to every other state because if we don't secure our border here, then every other state suffers. And so that's why I think there's so much interest in this race. We will bring the Republicans together. I think there's probably a few of them that are so never Trump, you know, angry about where things are going, we might lose them. But we're going to fill them in with a lot of independents who want common sense policies and even Democrats who are tired and walking away from that party. We have an opportunity to grow the Republican Party so massive that it is a force to be reckoned with.
3: Yeah, everything that everybody kind of walks away from, whether it be like, you know, state Senate or all the committee hearings that you guys have. And everybody's like, well, we don't have enough of these people or these people aren't on board for that. It's time to kind of be able to find resolutions to all of those issues that you guys are having. And and then, you know, it turns out to be a win for the people of Arizona.
4: Truly. And, you know, I look at our policies and, and somebody said, are you going to moderate and come to the middle? And I said, I don't you know, I don't know why I have to, because I'm my policies are very common sense. And I'm not gonna change who I am. I mean, I'm 52, I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) But if you look at our policies, every Arizonan wants to deal with the homeless crisis that we have and restore quality of life for the hardworking Arizonans who want their parks back and their streets back. Every Arizonan wants safer streets. I believe every Arizonan wants their kids to be able to get a proper education so they're ready for the jobs that are out there. There's a lot of high-paying jobs ready for our 18-year-olds straight out of high school where they don't even need a college degree if they don't want to go that route. And I know that every Arizonan wants to make sure we don't have fentanyl pouring in. Absolutely. And that means we should secure the border. So these are common-sense policies that we, frankly, have to take on these issues or we are going to lose the state.
3: Yeah. And you talked about a lot of those issues last weekend at CPAC. I wanted to ask you how that experience was. I know you've probably been there before, but we saw you do a couple of speaking events. Obviously you, you went on war room a couple of times and, uh, you know, you did a round table as well to talk about some of the big issues. How was is it getting to, uh, commingle with some of the biggest people in the party right now? A lot of the people who are already in the Senate and the house, but obviously some other governors, uh, probably some nominees all over the place. And, uh, how is the plan resonating amongst the, uh, well, you know, the MAGA base, the 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 meat and potatoes of, you know, what makes up the whole DNA of, of your campaign right now?
4: It was so good to be at CPAC. I, I've been there several times now. I've, I've met friends that are now lifelong friends from even, you know, over a year ago when I was heading to CPAC. I was really fortunate the last CPAC in Orlando to be able to speak, and they gave me the slot right before the president, yep. and I was um, – honored as heck to have that spot speaking right before the president as well. And I really didn't make that speech so much about the issues because I made it about the most important issue, frankly, which I probably haven't talked about with you guys, the most important issue facing us right now. And this is the reason I believe that Americans, we need to come together, Democrats, independents, Republicans. We can argue about all of our policies later, later down the road, but we're looking at losing this country if we don't start coming together. I think we're in our final moments of of having time to save America, because we've got all kinds of forces working against us, both external and internal. And, and that's why my speech before the president was really about saving this republic. We don't want America to become a memory. And so I really um uh, my speech before the president kind of concentrated on that and coming together as Americans to save this country. We can disagree on a whole bunch of stuff later, but right now it's all hands on deck to, deck to save America. We saw what our federal government did raiding President Trump's home. The government that we the people created is turning on we the people. And this is we're at a critical juncture right now. We need to stand up and save this country.
3: Yeah, that was going to be my next point. You talked about. Some of those forces that are, you know, negatively affecting everything right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. we we had the current administration that's occupying the White House taking a victory lap on no increased inflation yesterday, making it seem like it went all the way down to zero when it still is realistically at nine percent nationally. But in places like where we live, for instance, in California, it's closer to thirty percent. And because you know they drove up the price of gas, uh, you know, three four dollars nationally, and it goes down. $0.50 $0.50 cents over the last six weeks, they want to take a victory lap on that, even though gas is essentially still, you know, 3 $4 more than it was during the Trump administration. But we did see something the other day that is unprecedented, probably illegal, definitely unconstitutional. And with the weaponized DOJ and the FBI probably at the direction of someone close to Joe Biden because we know he really doesn't make too many decisions on behalf of the country. Um, we, we saw what happened at Mar-a-Lago. It was raided by the FBI in, in something that you know we've, we've learned over the course of the last couple of days. Barack Obama is in violation of, Bill Clinton's in violation of, uh, and it was just a kind of demoralizing, embarrassing moment that the media and the government had tried to do to the 45th president. Obviously, it didn't work. They're already finger-pointing at each other because they saw how negatively it was. Listen, when you have Andrew Cuomo coming out and saying, if this isn't legit, you guys better figure out who authorized this because you're going to get absolutely smoked in the midterms by doing something like that. You know it was a bad move. You gave probably one of the most strongest worded statements about it across the board, and I've heard everybody from, like, Dan Bongino's, swear word written rant on Jesse waters all the way up to some of the best legal experts out there really kind of break it down. And you kind of, you kind of hit the point on you want to let our listenership know how seeing that made you feel and, and, and what you think is part of the bigger problem there right now.
4: I, I heard about it. I was actually in a meeting and it was like a punch to the gut because I realized that, you know, we know our our federal government is o- the overreach of our federal government is out of control But and we know the corruption is all over, but I just realized it is corrupt to the core, almost to the point where it's unsalvageable. And these agencies have too much power. They're run by bureaucrats. They're not elected by we, the people. And we need to start pushing back. And I think that that uh, EPA versus West Virginia ruling by the by the Supreme Court last session was critical. And I think they cracked open the door to push back on these out-of-control federal agencies that shouldn't have the power they have over us. And we're going to kick that door open here in Arizona and start to take on some of these agencies. It's outrageous what they're doing. As I said, we the people created the federal government. It's become a monster that is trying to take over our lives. And we saw what they did during COVID where the CDC and all of these agencies started pushing policies that were destroying our lives, yep. destroying our ability to make a living. Uh, it's it's not going to keep happening in Arizona. We've got states' rights. We're going to start uh, pushing the 10th Amendment, and we're going to start taking back our power. We are 50 sovereign states. We're not serfs of the federal government. And I'm so tired of watching this witch hunt, witch hunt go on with our president, Donald Trump. This man has done nothing except love this country and try to help us, and the federal government has turned everything on him to try to destroy him, and we're tired of watching it. And I would say the same thing if this were happening with any other former president. We shouldn't turn our, you know, anybody, we shouldn't turn our federal government to try to destroy an American citizen. It's outrageous what's happening. President Trump has done so much for us, and they have persecuted him like no other American has ever been persecuted. I'm tired of it. I'm absolutely sick and tired of our rotten federal government doing this.
3: Yeah, you know, it's just so unprecedented. It's still, even though we're days out, it's still kind of like the dust is settling. And obviously, President Trump is such a great guy, and he's just like made of some Thing that's just not every, what everybody else is made of. He's out there joking and tweeting. It's like, you know, he, he went to you know New York yesterday to talk to the attorney general. It, it's pretty funny that the article came out and said he he invoked the Fifth Amendment 440 times over the course of four hours. And the only question he did answer was that he did confirm that his name is Donald John Trump. But, you know, he, he's sitting in there on Truth Social and he's like, yeah, I'm about to meet with the radical progressive uh, attorney general of upstate New York. It, it's. I'm so glad that she's taking her time out of her busy schedule to waste it on me instead of all the people that are getting murdered in the great city of New York. Oh, truly. And, and it's just it's like... Almost,
4: it's almost comical. I mean, it's almost comical how... It's just insane what's going on. You know, they're, they're creating... A, when they're hiring 87,000 IRS armed IRS agents, but they don't want to have armed security at our schools to protect our babies. They don't want to have people on the border pushing back And I mean, can we take some of these agents and put them on the border? Can we take some of these people, arm them and protect our babies and children at school? You know, Nancy Pelosi has armed security, but our little ones, they don't want to protect our schools. They're just the government's completely lost its mind. And thank God for President Trump. I called him the night uh, of the raid just to check in and let him know I was praying for him. He sounded really good. Um, You know, he's been through so much, I think. It, maybe he's gotten used to it at this point. And thank God for him that he has that very strong backbone made of steel. It's sad we that more had- of that in our leaders,
3: yeah, it's sad that he's had to get used to it, though, you know, for all the great things he did. Uh, for our country over the course of, of his presidency, his first term, it's sad that he has to be that kind of a Teflon-like skin to just where it bounces off. And I, I like that you brought up the, uh, you know, appropriations for the IRS agents. Good comparison. You might want to use it on the road. Fiscal year 2023, 87,000 IRS agents, they've appropriated funds for that, Three hundred. Border patrol agents have been appropriated funds for next fiscal year, which means they won't even factor into the equation of what's going on there now with the hiring process, the wow. academy, and all that, till fiscal year twenty four. So I no, heard that yeah. this
4: this this uh, IRS eighty seven thousand is greater than the Pentagon, the yep. State Department, Border Patrol, and one other uh, one other agency combined. I can't remember what the other agency is, but I was like, whoa. Honestly, you know, we're struggling right now with this inflation. People can't afford to put gas in their tank, they can't afford to put food on the table, buy their kiddos back to school clothes. And what is the Democrats' solution to that? Raise taxes, hire nearly 90,000 armed IRS agents and audit us? They're disgusting. They're disgusting.
3: Yeah, they really are. And uh, you know, it's something that we're looking to at least get that that whole Biden agenda, you know, slowed down after these upcoming midterm elections. Kerry, last point I want to touch on with you—it's probably what our listenership's definitely looking to uh, hear about the most. Where does the campaign go from here? You guys have an extensive ground game set up. You're one of the best candidates running nationally in regards to social media. Uh, you have no problem holding town halls, tending debates. Uh, it's going to focus now on your on your you know general election um, competitor and and. There's no love lost between you guys, so I'm I'm assuming it's going to be probably not not only one of the most nationally focused on race, but probably one of the spiciest ones too.
4: What are you looking forward to? I don't know because she's she's like basement she's Arizona's version of basement Joe. Yeah, she wouldn't even come out and debate or go to forums um, during the primary. I'm challenging her right now. I'll do a debate a week, a debate a month, up until the election. I, there's one debate they're trying to plan right now, and I don't know if she'll show up for it. I'll debate her every day, all day, on policy, because we know that our policy works. Her policy is terrible. Yeah, But she's just going to hide, and she's going to have the Soros family pour money in and, and the um, teachers' union, which is against teachers, actually. And she's going to have the, you know, all kinds of special interest money poured in to run attack ads, which they're already starting, and hope that she can win that way.
3: Yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I do hope she does get to the debate stage because the, the people of Arizona, they know the differences, but they need to see what it's like when those differences are put in front of everybody and the people that are promoting radical progressive ideologies onto the people there and saying that this is the way to go. They need to be, you know, shown that it's absolutely wrong and it's when they start hearing these things and how you'll debate them and and offer better solutions for the people of Arizona
5: who've -hmm.
3: been been beat up since 2020 I mean they're definitely on the rebound after this turnout for your election carry and and for the whole ticket across the board but you know they, they they want a big win and uh I think we're getting close to being on the verge of it right now
4: i agree um you know uh, she's got the press working with her though and it's one attack piece after the next so we have to wake people up in arizona and say if you're falling for these ads and you're falling for these hit pieces in the news then you're, you're doing exactly what they want they want to control you on on certain issues and not talk about the important ones katie hobbs is for defunding the police my opponent katie hobbs is for Joe Biden handling the crisis at the border. Well, we're watching what he's doing at the border and it's destroying America. That means she's for allowing the cartels to control the border. She's allowing the fentanyl to pour in and get in the hands of our, our children and our young people. Her policies are, are completely destructive. She's for Joe Biden's policies and we know what that is doing to America and we can't let that happen here in Arizona. She sees California where you guys are And she sees that as utopia Mm. and and wants to do the same policies here in Arizona. And I I just think that's radical. And we can't afford that at our border to have somebody who's actually a socialist controlling a border state.
3: Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, anybody that's listening, Arizona listenership who's not very familiar with California. I've been living here for about 25 years, half my life, night and day since I moved out here in the late 90s. I mean, it really was. Yeah, it, it used was, to be a great place. Was great, and now just the crime, the homelessness, the drugs, the non-cleansliness, the how long because of all the red tape and and you know environmental regulations, all the roads are destroyed. Uh, historical places like the Capitol and you know other places aren't kept like they used to. You could Google pictures of them on the internet. I guarantee they're probably like twenty years old and they're all run down now. And then just the fact of the matter. So many major corporations have moved out of California, all it does is raise our taxes because the state can't make money off of them. So just think about, plus we're living at close to 30%, 27%-ish inflation out here in California, so it's a definitely good place to fly over, but uh, you would not want to live here right now. And you don't want that to turn into Arizona. Carrie, this has been awesome sitting down with you, of course, as it is always. You're one of our listenership's favorite guests, of course, and uh, we hope due to the business of your schedule, we might be able to catch you one more time before the general election in November.
4: Of course, absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I really do credit you and, and all of the independent podcasts and media that uh, helped us get our message out. It was so critical. And we are going to, when I'm in the governor's office, I'm going to talk directly to the people. I'm not going to go through the filter of the fake news. When I when we talk to the people and, and talk about what we're doing in our government, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and we're going to let them know directly what's going on. I'm not going to work through the filter of this corporate news, and I hope to continue to come on shows like yours.
3: You're you're always welcome here. We've already got a confirmation from Joe Kent that he'll do us from the uh, halls of Congress as well, so at least we have two legitimate guests that we'll be having on in the future after the (laughs) midterm elections and after you guys get sworn in. Carrie, can you just give our listenership your social medias and handles and stuff like that, your campaign website, so they can continue to help you out?
4: Thank you. Uh, k a r i l a k e. K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. I was up against a $30 million in uh, attacks from my uh, primary opponent, so we need to fill up our coffers. Anybody can donate as long as you're an American um, citizen, and you can make a donation on my website if you've got 20 bucks that you can spare to help us battle back against the socialists we're running against. You can find me on Truth Social, Twitter, Getter, um, you name it, just look for Carrie Lake. And um, I'm also on Facebook at The Carrie Lake.
3: We will be live linking those in the show description today. And of course, uh, like I said, we'll be looking forward to having you back at some point in the near future, ma'am. Again, congratulations on your big win. This is the Republican nominee for the governor of Arizona, Carry zona Miss Carry Lake. Thanks for coming <laughs> on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Take care.
6: Good afternoon. Since I became attorney general, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Just now the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. The Department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel, who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents To leave with the property owner. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in this matter. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. Federal law, longstanding department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Attorney
3: General,
7: the former president of,
6: uh, of this the FBI agents, it's oh,
3: Attorney God. General of the United States, right there, Merrick Garland, yesterday, um, issuing his first statement since the uh, the raid happened down at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. Antoinette's back with us today everybody knows knows out of the office he's currently uh getting his forklift certification (laughs) and uh he'll be back with us after next week probably dipping in here and there remotely but uh we're kind of running the show today Antoinette welcome back
8: thank you thank you
3: good to uh albeit a little horse have you with me today I didn't want to do it by myself and I'm glad you could join us I'm glad to Our listenership's been missing you, and uh, the news has been pretty busy, to say the least. So how about uh, you give us a little hot take on, you know, just what you have come to know over the last four days. uh, The optics of it, the probable unconstitutionalness and illegality of it, and uh, kind of where we are.
8: Gosh, it's crazy, you know. Um, I I don't think anybody was expecting this raid to happen, for one. Two, but... It's, it's wild because nobody, they haven't even given like what their probable cause was and, and what reason besides the, the documents that we know he was working with the Art National Archives, was it?
4: Mm-hmm.
8: He was actually working with them. So what, why would they raid him for those papers when he was clearly, um, you know, working, working with these people? I, th- I think they just use it as an excuse and it's it's kind of scary too when you think about it because yeah, his lawyers were there, but they were not allowed anywhere inside. They let them bake in the sun <laughs> and they, would, they refused to let them even stay like inside like the entryway, for example, you know? So who knows what they were doing, what they could have planted and just, just crazy, crazy,
3: crazy. Yeah. Crazy times we're living in for sure. Uh, it just
8: I they knew it was coming, though. I feel like they like there was no way that they didn't know it was coming. In my opinion,
3: well, that's the thing we played on our Friday edition of the show. As you know, that uh, you know, the congressional, the senatorial inquiry uh, for Christopher Ray, talking yeah. about some of the things going on at the FBI, and while he was more interested in the plane he had to catch afterwards and that the hearing was yeah. running late, okay. uh, everybody knows that on Friday afternoon, end of the business day. Uh, he, he knew that that was going down first thing Monday, for sure.
8: Wow. Wow. Without, wow.
3: Without a doubt. And just crossing the wire over the course of the um, front half of the show now, I'm reading from uh, Twitter. The FBI agents who raided Mar-a-Lago removed 11 sets of classified documents, mm-hmm. including some marked as top secret, and were meant to be only available in special government facilities, according to documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. So apparently they have an office down at FBI headquarters and are reviewing some of the evidence that was uh, seized at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. Yes, very interesting.
8: Well, I mean, he declassified all these things already. so
3: Yeah, that's one of the things we brought up last week that Cash reminded us that, you know, probably an overwhelming majority, if not all of the documentation that Donald Trump took to Mar-a-Lago was already declassified. And uh,
8: I don't see it being otherwise because, I mean, come on they're not that dumb. Like you think Trump is going to make him like put himself in such a situation and give the Dems something to like fuck him over about, you know, it's, it's just wild. They're so desperate. You could, it's just, it's, it tells you how scared they are. They're looking for anything and everything. They're terrified.
3: Yeah. So I was, I was talking with Christina Bob this morning and we'll hear a clip from her later. She actually appeared on, I wasn't too thrilled with it. Laura Ingram show last night, in addition to, I know a lot of her listenership has probably seen her on War Room. Listen, guys, you know, this is a news story that they're trying to get out to as many outlets as possible. We already confirmed that it's not considered cheating. They're just friends. And uh, you'll you'll yeah. have more of a reoccurring Christina Bob the way we can only bring her to our listenership on this show and nowhere else. So, you know, just take into consideration the fact that they're trying to just get this narrative out and get ahead of it. But, um, you know, some of the stuff I talked to her about and I explained to her, I said, there's so many conflicting stories right now. I, I don't want to mess up the narrative. And and as she was, you know, on a on a plane with the boss uh, traveling to somewhere where I did not ask, so we'll call it undisclosed location. Undisclosed. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of going down the road of, OK, what was the probable cause of this? Like, what are they? What did they tell you? You, you had to stand at the end of the driveway for nine hours the other day in 95 degree humidity, uh, you know, at, at Mar-a-Lago. Like, what did they tell you over the course of that? And, you know, she said essentially nothing. And um, the probable cause is in the affidavit, but the affidavit is sealed. The warrant what? is what will be released, but they are not releasing the affidavit. They are refusing to tell us what their probable cause was. Crazy. Uh, end quote. So Donald Trump weighed in on it as well. And we always talk about the broken two-tier justice system and the double standard that people like Hillary Clinton regarding her emails. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Bill Clinton, who removed over 14,000 documents, which was a large amount of the time, uh, when he left office, in addition to a lot of the furniture and apparently whatever wasn't nailed down in the White House. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we heard Hillary Clinton went on a shopping spree there. Uh, but, you know, the 45th president weighed in, and, and I'm reading from a tweet, and he's uh, paraphrasing what he read from a New York Post article. And... At the end of his presidency, Barack Obama trucked 30 million pages of his administration's records to Chicago, promising to digitize them and eventually put them online, a move that outraged historians. More than five years after Obama's presidency ended, the National Archives website reports that zero pages have been digitized and nothing has been disclosed.
8: Insane. He has his own, he has his own entire like, archive like the Obama, I don't know what it's called or where it's at. well oh, it, it's, it's the library. Yeah, it's a yeah. The, okay, yeah, exactly. And that's in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, it's, it's just such a double standard with them for everything. It's it's mind blowing.
3: Don't you know, to remember they leveled a low income neighborhood to build his presidential <laughs> library there? So that's right.
8: That's right. Don't, wow.
3: Don't worry. He briefly created jobs throughout the course of that. Um, just embarrassing, and and you know it's. So, you know, there's people talking about nuclear codes and and this, that, and the other thing, and I can't really feel like that's within within the realms of reality, although it has opened up the new memes we've gone, I guess, now from, like, it was regular MAGA, then Ultra MAGA, no, Dark MAGA, then Ultra MAGA, and now we're at Nuclear MAGA. And (laughs) Grand grand Old Memes had a banger out there today. You can go on our Twitter, True Social. I already shared it, but I said we've yet to see Hashtag final form MAGA, which is where we will be and see Donald Trump once he formally announces his run for the uh, presidency Mm -hmm. in 24. Senator Josh Hawley jumped on with, uh, you know, and he's a lawyer. Jesse Waters, who's also a lawyer, yesterday to talk about some of these things that are going on and the corruption levels at the highest facets of our, you know, government right now and just how broken it is. And it's so sad to have to have heard over the course of like the last decade some of the biggest pundits out there on I'm air quoting the conservative side, the Sean Hannity's, Laura Ingram's, Mark Levin's all way in and say like, you know, this is just the bureaucrats that run these agencies and the people that are on the ground going to work every day. Like they're the real heroes. And it's like, Holy fucking shit. Were you wrong? You were wrong. And, um, they've just got a bunch of people in there who don't know how to say no to marching orders. And that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump really never used the agency like that. And, you know, a lot of people are coming back. And so I think two of the biggest missteps that Donald Trump made throughout the course of his presidency was not firing Dr. Fauci and not firing Christopher Ray. Um, no, but the fact of the matter is everybody has to remember the people that were around him at the time. And his inner circle has been one of his biggest Achilles heels, uh, you know, that he's ever had to endure everything from every piece of shit chief of staff that he had to some mm-hmm. of the, you know, people who are looking for golden parachutes that grift their way close to the sun that is at the yeah. center of the Trump universe. Um, and and Christopher Ray was essentially forced on him. You know, they said for how much of a radical and rogue FBI director James Comey was, mm-hmm. he needed something more establishment to kind of bring normalcy to it. And oh. what he did essentially was, you know, take a career grifter, uh, someone who was very comfortable with being a large part of the administrative state and essentially made it the head of our largest federal law enforcement agency in the country. And he knows just like we've said it so many times in the show, every four to eight years, my boss is going to change. So why even get my wagon hook to any of these people when I could just go with the flow, keep moving up, you know, collect a paycheck. I might run the CIA someday. I might run something even higher than that. Maybe I'll be an ambassador somewhere or something. You know, and it's just one of those things where this has constantly bit him in the ass. But that guy was forced on him as like what some would consider like to be a safe pick. Right. And even if Christopher Ray is not directing all of this misconduct that's going on at the FBI right now, his complacency alone is equally, uh, if not more, bad uh, for what the Department of Justice has been able to do throughout the FBI. 100%. Uh, yeah, and and we've seen it with everything from. You know, the Summer of Love, uh, we've seen it with the Gretchen Whitmer case, um, you know, obviously January 6th, and here we go again. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's just reoccurring instances of like, and, and the reason you don't see a lot of the heads of these agencies really jumping to the forefront of it, just go back to our clips from Friday of how passive Christopher Wray was. They don't care. He knows in two years Joe Biden's out of there, and whoever his boss is going to be, if he's still the director of the FBI, until it doesn't
8: it matters
3: to him. Yeah, it doesn't matter to him. He's going to collect his big-ass paycheck and, and work remotely from home. I, I heard he's got a nice little cabin somewhere where he likes to go fishing and, and <sighs> canoeing and really doesn't do too much FBIing from there until, you know, they, they summon him back to New York to go before these committees, which he just lies to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was one of those things. He was so disconnected that they had to, like, beat it into his brain that the guy who got f- essentially fired from the Detroit field office after the Gretchen Whitmer case disaster, uh, who was you know, later appointed to run the DC case. So he went to running right. the fed napping case to the fed surrection case. And now he's the director of the Washington field office. And, and it's like, he wasn't even familiar with the guy's name who literally is like his underling there.
8: Right. Right. Yeah. And- no, I think he's completely checked out. He's completely disconnected.
3: Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily one of the bad guys. He may have been at some point, and there's probably some shit that he swept under the rug that's going to go back to him. I just think he's one of the big fucking complete morons. And he's uh,
8: complicit, like you said, because of his complacency. He's not. He doesn't give a shit. He's not doing anything about it. And like you said, you know, there's incentive for him to be that way.
3: Yeah, and he's going to go wind up writing a book. Uh, he's going to go wind up uh, doing speaking events, and everybody's going to want to hear how he hmm. lived through all these crazy times and presidents. And he's wow. going to go work at some big, uh, you know, like uh, law enforcement-themed or security-themed think tank and and just continue to collect paychecks after he's done with the federal government. But uh, mm-hmm. like I was saying, Senator Hawley jumped on with Jesse Waters yesterday, and they were talking about some of this stuff. I thought it was a good piece. Let's hear it.
9: Yeah, and I'd like to know what it was they were looking for in the first place. I mean, this is why Garland owes the American people an explanation. And frankly, so does Joe Biden, because I don't believe for a minute, not for a minute. That the White House was totally in the dark on this. This is Joe Biden's FBI. It is Joe Biden's DOJ, and they have weaponized this FBI at every turn. They sent it after parents and called them domestic terrorists. This is an administration that tried to set up a disinformation board to police the speech of Americans who questioned the vaccine, who had questions about masks. This is an administration that is totally, totally out of control. And I tell you, it will take a long time to repair the basic constitutional norms and democratic norms here that this administration is trampling. But, Jesse, what this makes clear to me above all is that though our constitutional framework of government is strong, and I believe that, we have deep, deep corruption in our government. Deep corruption. Yeah, you gotta pull and it out. we're gonna have from to make it roots. a focus to root it out.
3: Mm-hmm. It starts at the top, but I mean, it's gonna be. I mean,
8: it's so deep. Like, yeah. I mean, like Trump said. He's like, I knew the swamp was deep. I didn't know it was this deep and this bad. And it's right. He's right. It's at all levels. It, it, it's, oh man, you know, the big purge, but how do you fix everything? You know, it's, it's, I kind of, like, I kind of think you, I think the best thing would be just to completely abolish and start anew. Yeah, With a lot of agencies, I don't know. And don't we're, know.
3: we're starting to see some of the projections from, from the Trump campaign, the Save America rally circuit. We're seeing the teasing of re-implementing Schedule F, which would give him the ability to fire tens of thousands of federal employees on day one, which needs to happen. Uh, oh, yeah. they, they were there for four years. They've got names. People oh, yeah, like, people like sure. Max Miller, he's got names. Um, they also talked about, uh, you know, in addition – to combat that they having 10,000 ready to go federal workers, the the most trusted people who were loyal to the administration and probably have had a hard time finding work since Donald Trump left office, ready to go on day one to, you know, not just fill staffer positions, uh, but to be senior appointees in some of the, you know, federal government's most, uh, biggest agencies, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you just have to, uh, you know, take into consideration that's also a plan. And then you saw, that, you know, the EPA ruling from the Supreme Court. You're not going to see anything or, or reap any of the fruits from that throughout the course of the Biden administration with all the green new bullshit yeah. that's woven into that Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you know, Build Back Better 2.0 bill that's heading to his desk today. Uh, hmm. But when a, a conservative, a nationalist, populist president gets in there. That wants to, you know, reinvigorate and revolutionize the energy industry, the oil industry, the the um, power grid of this country, infrastructure, all those regulations and laws and red tape is going to be so much easier to just shred them. If it's like five frogs or literally drilling for oil that's going to like take care of a large portion of domestic production, fuck the frogs. Like that's like the, the gist of, of that Supreme Court ruling. And it really has gotten to the point to where like Nats can prevent like our country from saving dollars at the gas pump or, or keeping like, you know, the, the shipping apparatus that's a big part of this country, like in line. So, you know, it's one of those things where uh, that Supreme Court ruling, we're not going to see too much of it now, but down the road it's going to be very consequential to things that uh, I know at least President Trump wants to do in his second term.
8: Yeah, no, I agree. Totally.
3: So I saw um, Terry uh, Terry Turchy. He was a senior uh, guy at the FBI back in the day when Merrick Carlin was there running the outlet, and apparently he wanted to talk about how easy it was for him to sign off on this bullshit thing to get to a judge to have that warrant come in here and, you know, uh, do what they did at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. However... When they had found the Unabomber back in the day, it was Merrick Garland, uh, I'm sorry, not as running the FBI, as a federal judge, who wouldn't want to sign off on that. Let's hear him. He jumped on with Jesse Waters right after Josh Hawley.
10: You were an agent that did the Unabomber case, and you're saying Merrick Garland wouldn't sign off on a warrant to raid the Unabomber, but signed off on a warrant to raid Trump? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I was there. I was leading the Unabomb task force. We couldn't, we fought all night on April 2nd with the group of attorneys. That were included in making recommendations based on what they were reading of all the hundreds of pages we were sending them. And they would not recommend to Janet Reno that she should sign off on this search warrant. She did that on her own. Mary Garland, I don't know exactly what he was voicing, but he has all over his literature. Don't believe me. Just look at the, the bio. I was in charge of the Unabom prosecution from DOJ. Wow. And by the way, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. He never spoke to me once. I've never met the man. But I I, I was on a plane all day, up all night, and there that morning with the judge to get that warrant signed. So I'm sickened by this. And uh, what this is, and I want to make sure I make this quick. I know you got to go, but uh, people need to sit back and not look so much at this as an isolated event. This is, the, uh, this is the revolution, the real revolution that is going on in America. It's been going on for several years. Yes. The people in power are moving America towards the, the communist ideology type place. People today were all really concerned. We're, there's no precedent in America for this. Well, no, there isn't. They're looking in the wrong place. The precedent is in the Cuban Revolution, the Russian Revolution, and everywhere a communist government has eventually taken over. They go after their political enemies, and they use the police state mentality to do it. And I am really ripped about this, and I hope and pray over the next weeks that many other FBI agents who used to be there will come out and add their voices to it. Uh, I know a lot of people are, but but not near enough, Jesse. Yeah. They want to defund the police, but not the police state. Thank you e- so exactly. much for your service, especially on that Unabomber case. We really. Re-
8: hmm. Wow. So he wouldn't sign off on the Unabomber makes you think. Hmm. Did, did, uh,
3: how long think- did it take him to find that guy? Almost 20 years. When they finally did, you couldn't get a federal judge to start to, uh, issue, to sign a warrant to go and raid his property.
8: Maybe maybe because he was connected to these guys and <laughs> wouldn't sign off on it.
3: Well I mean he was definitely activated right What's that he was definitely activated right? I just oh, think uh when they when they went to whisper the uh you know the seven words like they they whisper in the winter soldier's ear they <laughs> he, he took off before they could get him and he went off the grid just like in the winter soldier movie and instead of yep. going and beating everybody up, this guy was sending like you know letter bombs to everybody
8: Something crazy,
3: and so right. is Merrick garland yep. um you, you know what I thought was pretty funny under the radar a lot. Uh, he was on a podcast, so there's not even any video, um, mm. but former Obama wingman and probably someone who has a lot to do with the uh, actual day-to-day decisions that's going on in the Biden administration, along with people like Susan Rice and John Kerry and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Eric Holder weighed in on this, and that- um, yeah, it kind of gave a narrative um, that is really interesting to see uh, how people who are no longer connected to the government, even though their their ideology would line up with someone like Barack Obama, just just you know, listen. We we talked about it last week, or I'm sorry, on Tuesday's edition of the show, Antoinette. I, I'm sure you saw Andrew Cuomo came out and, and completely was like against this. Like, listen, yeah,
8: I, was, I was surprised. Yeah, I was like, Damn.
3: well, I mean. Obviously, he was fucked over by, you know, his attorney general in New York and probably some elements of the DOJ to where like, hey, we're going to we're going to like federally criminally investigate you for all this creepy shit you're doing unless you get out of here. Yeah. Um, And and we all saw him throughout the course of covid. He was obviously making a stake to run for president in the Democrat Party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of he's going to have to probably take the next election cycle off and then try to run for governor again. And then, you know, by that time, he's in his 60s and maybe closer to 70 by the time he gets the opportunity to run for president. And then they start looping him into those. Oh, he's too old. He's Joe Biden ish, blah, blah, blah. But I just thought it was weird that Holder was out there trying to get, uh you know, wrapped up in this narrative. We all know that he's definitely biased and partisan, but uh, it, it's weird the way they throw these people in the mix.
11: You are yeah. attorney general. Would you indict Donald Trump?
3: Well, you know, I don't have
5: access to all the material. I'm that, sure you um, don't. The current <laughs> certainly Justice does. Department has. But I can tell you this, you know, I started my first uh, job at the, I think, called the public integrity section at the Justice Department, spent 12 years there have been involved in a lot of public, public, public corruption uh, matters. Indicted Dan Rostenkowski when I was the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. And you get a feel for these cases as they um, develop. I think that what's going to happen here is that more evidence is going to be elicited. You will see people start to cut deals. Uh, my guess is that by the end of this process, um, you're going to see indictments involving high-level people in the White House, Oh. You're going to see indictments against people outside the White House who were advising them with regard to the attempt to steal the election. Oh. And I think ultimately you're probably going to see the president, former president of the United States, indicted as well. Oh. <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> I'll,
11: I, I'll save this uh,
5: tape. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's, um, yeah. you know, the you know, Ernest Hemingway was asked, you know, how to people go into bankruptcy and it's, 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 it's similar to the way in which these public um, these public corruption investigations proceed it, 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 it and he, as he said he it, said it's gradually and then suddenly yeah and so this has been a gradual thing the January 6th committee has elicited progress more people are starting to come in the Justice Department has announced it is it is involved it's got grand juries going uh, I expect that you're going to see the pace of this investigation or these investigations start to pick up. The Justice oh. Department, I suspect, goes dark um, <laughs> because of uh, the election, not wanting to interfere with the election in 2022. But you watched the Justice Department uh, in 2023. Oh, but I think before that, uh, I expect that I'm going to it. see something coming out of the, um, that prosecutor um, in, in Atlanta. I think that's. I think-
3: you want to know what's even uh, crazier about that whole narrative right there, Antoinette? Mm-hmm. Four days before the raid actually happened. That was his commentary.
8: No fucking way. It's
3: like, not only am I going to project, but I'm going to, yeah, let's take a little walk into the future with Eric Holder. <laughs> uh, I, is, that's what they I'm saying. They, they,
8: like, they're so stupid.
3: <laughs> they, they just throw these people out there. Oh, yeah, we haven't seen you in like a year and a half. Go go on some podcasts and, and, and you know, forecast what your opinion would be on if Merrick Garland was going to issue a warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago.
8: And after it's like, oh, he takes credit. See, I told you I knew, like, you know.
3: And, you know, a a big thing that we don't talk about enough uh, that we saw Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winderhers at the National Post, our our Tuesday edition of the show guest, really get ahead of in regards to this narrative was the federal judge who signed off on this uh, and his ties to Jeffrey Epstein.
8: Uh, That's just wild. It's like,
3: What? I mean, I, I know it's a small club and we're not part of it, but damn, it's like you turn around and they're like right in your face, like, oh, hey, remember me? No, I don't want to remember you. You're, you like the pedophiles and then represented them in court. You um, can't
8: shit up, man.
3: Yeah, it, it just so happens that, uh, you know, he's also got some some ties to the Pelosi family and, mm-hmm. and defending them in some legal issues that Paul Pelosi had not too far back. And uh, it's like literally – uh, the lizard people laughing mean I know. And, <laughs> and you know it's 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 just crazy how how this thing is uh is unfolding like i said we we talked to christina bob who's literally sitting across from donald trump this morning on a plane uh on trump force one and <laughs> you know she's telling me that we don't know <laughs> we really don't know they made me stand at the end of the driveway it was really hot Uh, They were able to turn off the security cameras for a brief amount of time. However, for an overwhelming majority of the nine hours, the people in New York, I don't know if she was referring to the president and his family or like the security team that that oversees the CCTV, were able to watch everything that was going on. So I know there's a lot of people speculating, like planting evidence and doing this. The memes about smelling Melania Trump's underwear, (laughs) dumbass Photoshop, mostly peaceful meme, not far out. John Hacker, LA, you guys have been absolutely fucking crushing it. I mean, it's just, oh, it's so funny. I would
8: love if I I was one of those agents. I would have loved to to have the test just to be in her closet because she's got an incredible wardrobe.
3: Yeah, one of one of the best on the planets uh, for sure. And yeah, but you know, just just the disrespect, you know.
8: man so disgusting
3: i'm almost done with our newest sub stack i'm trying to get him out faster now raheem gave me some encouraging words the other day off air and i really appreciate it but the fact of the matter is is that there have been so many l's incurred by joe biden over the course of the last month you know covid twice he's oh. still coughing all over the place the failed middle east trip uh you know you've got inflation going through the roof uh you know our news two segment today is going to be you know focusing on a little bit of the economy and the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, but you know, the way the White House this week went out and ran with, because there was no increased inflation of July, their messaging to the morons who don't understand the news was, is that inflation is back down to zero. When
8: <laughs> so, <Grace. laughs>
3: and, and because gas prices, which have spiked three to four to five dollars in some states, have gone down 50 cents in the last like 60 days, you know, <laughs> they're saying inflation didn't go up. But in places like your rent, uh, the grocery store, and other things like that, the, the inflation continues to rise big mm-hmm. time and uh, is showing no effects of slowing down anytime soon, especially with when this Inflation Reduction Act hits the floor. But we're going to kind of stay on this. If you want to talk about law and order and, and all things surrounding it, there's, there's a really good person who, well, he's been on this show, but he, he appears on a lot of other ones all the time to talk about. That's Bernie Carrick. And, uh, you know, he's seen corruption uh, going after the mafia with Rudy Giuliani back in the day. He, he's looked it right in the eyes. And, 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 you know, when someone as opinionated and as tough and hard-nosed as Bernie sees what's going on to the 45th president of the United States right now, he's going to have a hot take on it. Let's hear him.
12: I'll say one last thing on on the FBI, Steve. I loved the FBI. I worked with them hand in hand through nine eleven and the aftermath of 9-11. One of the greatest agencies the world ever ever put together. Um, that's changed. They need to revamp it. They need to abolish. The, the, the executive staff from the ground it can't, up. It can't, it, um, can't, it
13: can't be saved. It can't be saved, Bernie. As an Irish Catholic case, you know Hold Going up in Richmond, Virginia, the Bernie. Irish Catholic guys they had at the FBI were the best people in the world. The FBI has done so much particularly, not just the mob, but the communism, right, going after the communist. Amazing. The legacy of the FBI, and these people have trashed it so badly, it's a systemic problem. The only way it could possibly be saved, which I don't think is there, of enough agents and enough people that actually love it, what it used to That's be right. can come forward. It's in your hands to save the FBI. It's in your hands. Because I'm going to tell you, we're coming so hard, you'd have no earthy idea what we're going to do to get to the bottom of your corruption, and quite frankly, your criminality. Okay, so Ray, all of it, Merrick Garland. And by the way, in this case, Ron Klain absolutely knew about the chief of staff. There is zero probability. Zero. Okay, zero probability. The White House did not know about this. Merrick Garland, not in a billion years, would ever authorize that without Bernie. You agree with that?
12: Listen, there's no way there's one uh, Garland had to approve it. And two, he had to tell the president. Now, normally you have to tell the president or whoever is in charge of the White House. The president may not be that guy. He constantly says, he answers to someone else. He's got to get approval to speak. He's got to do, you know, he's got to ask for permission to speak. Maybe there's somebody else. Whoever that somebody else is, whoever dictates what Joe Biden's doing, that person authorized Garland to do this raid.
3: Do you think that's right? You agree with that? Right, hundred percent. In some way, shape, or form, Joe Biden knew before that raid happened.
8: Of course, I mean, or like he said, you know, the person that's actually calling the shots, definitely. Yeah,
3: that's a, right. And whether or not be Ron Klain, but 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 it, at least we know that he was briefed, right?
8: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's 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 just absolutely crazy. What was crazier? I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, this this kind of snuck in under the radar Tuesday because we were like dusting ourselves off from the fallout that was the ridiculous news narrative regarding what happened at Mar-a-Lago. And mm-hmm. that was uh, while traveling through the airport, uh, U.S. House Representative Scott Perry was approached by three or four FBI agents who said they had a warrant to seize his telephone, his cell phone.
8: Yeah, I heard about that. (laughs) And,
3: yeah, so, you know, it's, (laughs) man, they are just shooting their shot and going for broke because, I mean, I know they see the writing on the wall. I know they understand that, you know, what's coming after these midterm elections. And, and listen, from their perspective, I'm sure in a lot of closed-door meetings, they're like, you know what? Fuck these guys. Fuck America first. Like, we don't believe it. Donald Trump did a lot of talking in 2016, and he was only able to get a small fraction of what he wanted to get done. done. And they're probably like, because of us. Um, yeah. Every time he hit us, we hit him back in like three different ways. He wanted his wall. We shut down the government and made him look like, in their eyes, bad, even though Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. and Nancy Pelosi really wound up wearing that one. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what happened. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that, they're really going after it right now. And they're like, hey, regardless of either way, at least we know we tried. And every single thing that we could fuck up between here and there, we got to make it so bad that it takes them longer to try and fix it than the amount of time that they can have in power before the next election. So if they don't get done all the things they're going to say they want to do, we'll just yeah. campaign on, see, they all they do is talk. So, <laughs> I mean, like the offensive game that comes after this midterm elections, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Kevin McCarthy, oh, Mitch McConnell, oh blah, blah, blah. blah. It's got to be different than it's ever been before.
8: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, and
3: then, uh, you know, I saw um, Scott Perry jump on briefly with uh, Brian Kilmeade the other day on Fox News, so I pulled a clip from there because I wanted to uh, let our listenership get caught up in this narrative as well. You bring
14: us through what happened? Well,
11: Brian, you're absolutely right. I got a knock on the door uh, in the morning. I went to the door. There are three FBI agents. Of course, like you said, I'm traveling with my family. Uh, we have two young daughters. I'm with my uh, my elderly in-laws, and uh, you know they they want to take my cell phone, and and I said you know could you contact my attorney? You know why wh- why does this have to happen? You know out on the street, you know and and how did you find me by the way? And of course they wouldn't answer that question. Uh, they said they were going to image the cell phone and return it sometime later since I didn't have a phone. And this is my personal cell phone, Brian. I have a, uh, you know, I have a, uh, a, a official cell phone. They don't, they don't want that. So this is my personal cell phone that I talk to my wife on, that I talk to my children on, my constituents. None of the government's business. I, you know, and of course, immediately the story blows up. I'm sure you know. Uh, you know, what's interesting though is, is while that story blew up, I heard from my attorneys who talked directly to the Department of Justice who said that I, their client, am not a target of this investigation. Now think about that. If I'm not a target, why do they come follow me, you know, find me on when I'm traveling with my family, they don't come to my house, they don't contact my attorney. Why do they come and seize my cell phone to image it in in that fashion? If they would have just contacted my attorney, certainly we would have provided the information necessary as required by law, and that would have been the end of it. But they want this spectacle. They want this show. They want the intimidation. And of course, the media is not saying anything about the fact that, you know, reported today that I am not a target of the uh, of this investigation. Okay. And so, look, this is, this is the DOJ run amok. And I think what people need to really think about is in about a day, we're going to vote on a package and it will probably pass where they're going to employ 87,000 Nuts. new IRS agents. What do you think they're going to be doing? They're, be, they're going to be coming for all of you. You know, so, so yesterday it was my cell phone. Tomorrow it's going to be it's going to be average, hardworking Americans that are just trying to make it through their days.
3: Yeah,
8: that's an excellent yeah. point. And weren't they stockpiling ammo and guns and ammo too?
11: Yeah,
3: uh, I mean that's all. Well, I, I mean, yeah, said. it goes into the start of the fiscal year for all federal law enforcement agencies. You know, one thing I did want to clarify, I put it out on social media, and uh, you know, shame on just about everybody. So everybody's seen that that part of, you know, what they're talking about, the 87,000 IRS workers um, going around. And, you know, there was a screenshot from, obviously, like, the job opening. And it's from the IRS. I, I believe it's probably through one of the websites that the government hires off of, like, USA Jobs or something. And it says major duties, and it's got some bullet points. Adhere to the highest standards of conduct, especially in maintaining honesty and integrity. Work a minimum 50 hours per week, which may include irregular hours, and be on call 24-7, including holidays and weekends. (laughs) Maintain a level of fitness necessary to effectively respond to life-threatening situations on the job.
8: Oh, yeah, but that's another U.S. military. (laughs) Mm.
3: Carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary. The fuck? And be willing to participate in arrests, execution, and searches of warrants and other dangerous assignments. So here's the deal.
8: IRS
3: agents. (laughs) See, after circulating online for nearly a week, that's what everybody's saying. But the fact of the matter is those job specifications are for, like, the special response team unit of the IRS. It's not for the 87,000 incoming. Okay,
7: thank God. So
3: (laughs) remember what rule number one is on Steak for Breakfast, do your research. Uh, And the fact of the matter is everything from, like, HUD to the IRS— and you know other agencies that are a little bit more hands-on, like the Border Patrol, they all have special response team units. So I mean, even though 99% of your workforce is like dad bod having, suit wearing, cubicle inhabiting pencil pushers, they do have a special response team for when they need to execute major warrants on like high value people who are not paying their taxes in the United States, who might have armed security, who might be doing illegal things and this whole like all 90,000 incoming irs agents are going to go through like the almost navy seal style boot camp (laughs) that these special response team members in every facet of the federal government goes through um you know even fema fema does a lot of like Now, in addition to, like, disaster relief, they do, like, crowd control, but those are just, like, the regular FEMA people. They have above them, like, a special response team, the people that jump out of the helicopters, that wear, like, all the operator equipment. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It got gaslighted online, and I tried to, like, get in a couple people's comment section, like, guys, don't you think this is not exactly for all of that stuff? But I understand it. Everybody's really – listen – The black and white of it is 90,000 IRS agents are getting hired and only 300 Border Patrol agents getting hired. So when you see stuff like this, completely fine to get pissed off, but not okay to spin the narrative to what exactly it isn't. Um, and, And like I said, it delegitimizes our cause when we're using false numbers. So,
8: um, research, like you said, and people verify, verify, verify on, phone, you know,
3: I mean, all you got to do, there's, there's so many great and informative telegram channels out there. You take a screenshot of that and and you send it to the nerds who inhabit them and say, Hey, is this legit? Or is this like something a little bit more specific than just a regular IRS agent? I guarantee you would have gotten the same disposition that I just gave you in like, you know, matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, one of our great friends was making the rounds this week as well. Also, apparently not cheating, um, Cash Patel. (laughs) And he was going around uh, talking about this stuff. I pulled a couple, couple clips from him because I feel it's really relevant to the situation. He's, like, literally ground zero. He's one of, like... The presidentially appointed document handlers for the archives, in addition to all the stuff he ran in regards to working for the president and for Rick Rennell and for the chief of uh, the Department of Defense, the work he did at the Pentagon. And then prior to that, his, his federal prosecution work. Um, but he was talking about um, this with Charlie Kirk. And the damage control potentially that the Department of Justice is going to have to conduct as they walk back and maybe even never give a disposition on what the legitimacy of that warrant was uh, that that was executed at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. Let's hear it.
15: So there's this new Newsweek story out of which I don't believe it looks like damage control, but it says here, quote, what a spectacular backfire, says the justice official. I know there's much speculation out there that this is political persecution, but it really is the best and worst of the bureaucracy in action. They
9: wanted to punctuate the fact that this is a routine law enforcement action, stripped of any political overtones and yet got the exact opposite. Your thoughts
16: i mean i don't know if that's an anonymous source or what clown is saying that but this is every single thing they have done is intentional it's planned out you cannot conduct a raid quietly with 30 guys and fly them down from the washington field office and hide the fact that they're going to do that and show up unannounced and get a search warrant and get a judge to authorize it This has to be, I'm telling you, I was at DOJ. I ran some of the highest level prosecutions ever in that department during my tenure. This is something the attorney general must sign off on. The director of the FBI must sign off on. And since it has to do with the president of the United States, the White House Counsel's Office has to be involved. There is no other way to do that. And um, they're just trying to- So you're saying definitively then, sorry to interrupt, Joe Biden knew about this? I would say definitively the White House Counsel's Office knew about it. Whether they told Joe Biden, how about merrick know. garland for was... sure what's that merrick garland knew about this 100 he had to authorize it there's no way he didn't know about it and, and then authorize. christopher ray 100 percent. same thing and then barack obama
9: probably too but that's
16: a separate <laughs> issue so
15: um <laughs> then but joe biden maybe is what you're saying
16: maybe i mean look you know as well yes you know better than anyone like why would they tell him anything? He's not really in charge. He's sort of just ballooning around, going to South Carolina or wherever he's off to next for a bike ride. So, if I were the White House counsel, I'd probably not have told him in all reality because he would have blurted it out.
15: It's incredible. <laughs> what a moment.
3: Mm, it certainly is. And, and you know, you <laughs> I texted Cash Patel the other day, hand to God. Uh, and I messaged him because I was watching Real America's Voice. And I. Charlie Kirk teased that he was coming on for that segment. And I was like, Bro, you getting ready to go on with Big Head Charlie? Oh, stop. That he wrote like, ha ha ha, like across like a whole line. And I was like, Nice guy, huge head. And, uh, don't be mean. No, I mean, I, it's good. Listen, he's just a little dry. And, uh, you know, he tries to be funny, but he's not really that funny. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the work he's done with the kids, the Turning Point USA, all that stuff, it, yeah, very comprehensive, and it's, it's included a, a, so many new people into the voter base. It, it His work cannot be replicated, so he mm-hmm. does a lot of good stuff. You know, listen, you go back and listen to, like, episode six or seven of the Stake for Breakfast podcast, and you probably will think you're listening to a different show. Yeah. Um, it was, we, we literally were the garage band of political podcasts, and we went down so many offshoots in regards to just the mainstream stuff, which is what I wanted to do, but collectively as a unit, the other three or four guys that take for breakfast once was, uh, in addition to myself is, uh, not what it is now. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, he's done a podcast for a long time it's probably a little bit different with the television component and I'm sure they'll get rolling with it and it'll be a little bit better product. Host Jack Basobic a little less, you know, he makes you drier and, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, not really a huge deal, but he did think it was funny. Um, he was then on Fox News uh, last night and was weighing in on some of this stuff. Um, and, and with some of the news is that um, Mark Elias, uh, and we all remember him uh, and his connections to the Clinton campaign and talking about all the statues and laws that were probably broken by Hillary, uh, And, uh, you know, she still walks scot-free. So I thought that was good and kind of ties into, like, you know, the entirety of this whole segment. So I pulled it. Let's check it out.
15: Uh, Before we actually get to the deeper question, Cash, of whether or not this is truly about classified materials, were there classified materials in Mar-a-Lago?
16: Hey, well, it's great to be with you. What I can tell you definitively is that President Trump was a transparency president, and time and time again, as the former Russiagate lead investigator under Chairman Nunes, who know where so many of the documents were buried and identified, we tried to get all of it out. And President Trump, on multiple occasions at the White House, declassified whole sets of documents, including, I remind you and your audience, that around October of 2020, he issued a statement from the White House declassifying every document related to not just the Russiagate scandal, but also the Hillary Clinton email scandal. So that is a wide ranging set of documents that the mainstream media uh, is ignoring that order, not to mention his follow up actions in December, I believe in January off the top of my head before he left, where he issued um, declassification orders at the White House. And when the president says that, that's it. He's a unilateral chief, commander in chief and the sole authority on classification.
15: Yeah, and that point has to be underlined, and it will be argued in the future. The president has the power to declassify. But, Cash, let's get to the crux of the issue. Is this about, in your estimation, classified materials?
16: No. This is an invasion of our Constitution by government gangsters. And you have Al Capone sitting at the Department of Justice's headquarters, uh, talking to his buddy at the White House, and Elliot Ness isn't coming around the corner. Mm -hmm. This is about the continuation of getting Donald Trump to prevent him from being president ever again. They failed during the Russiagate hoax. They failed during Impeachment 1, Impeachment 2, Ukraine, Jan 6, and Mueller. They're running out of time on Jan 6, so now what? Uh, a nighttime or daytime raid of the president's home to see if they can stop him. And I highlight to you, the person pushing this the most is the, is the Clinton campaign and Mark Elias right. by touting a statute that doesn't even apply to the president of the United States.
15: But mm-hmm. mire him in the fight, keep him in a constitutional fight while he would be campaigning. And it doesn't matter anymore. It's real world practicality to keep him from being president of the United States. Kash Patel, always great to see you.
3: Thanks so much. Have a good man. It's so weird to see Fox News come groveling back on their knees like I know, right? We're sorry, we called the election in Arizona and talk shit about Kerry Lake for two months straight. So I said, you know I'm I'm not gonna say who, but there's a couple of them that I'll message when I like I'll take a screenshot of my television when they're on Fox News and I'll text to them. I'll be like, Do you feel dirty? i was like do you feel dirty that you're talking to the host that was talking shit about carrie lake two weeks ago calling her an obama door knocker and they're just like stop it we got to get the message out it's like no i understand like it, it's it's a big it's a big fucking fight and, and we're all like up to our elbows in it right now but the fact of the matter is is that uh some of the routes we have to take are just icky yeah for sure
8: i mean at the end of the day and at the end of things is all of this is just going to backfire on these people, you know?
3: Yeah, it certainly is. And, and, and you know, those Watch, double standard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those double standards are going to be coming to an end eventually. And, uh, you know, they're, they're proposing that in, in some of the budgetary things for, for next year that they need to put at least like 50 to $75 million into a trust, uh, that protects federal whistleblowers at like the department of Homeland Security, FBI and places like that, because, um, they won't last throughout the course of the investigation without getting fired. Right. You know, and it's one of those things where it's, it's just sad to hear, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and what else is sad is it's what's going on to some of these candidates who are kind of like caught up into the mix right now, like the Trump loyalists. Um, So one of the things that we talked about with Raheem on Tuesday, Antoinette uh, was that a lot of the dark money from the GOP side, Kevin McCarthy funneling, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars through proxy super PACs into Herrera Butler's campaign to try and stop Joe Kent, which we all know she failed. Mm -hmm. And she has become, uh, I believe seven now of 10 impeachment, uh, house Republicans who are primaried retired or, or just stepping down and, uh, a lot of that focus now is being sent down to the state of Florida. They know people like Matt Gates are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in Florida, one, that's Trump country. Uh, but someone who's in a dogfight right now of his own against uh, an establishment, McCarthy and CPAC back, Corey Mills is Anthony Sabatini, great friend of the show, um, finally was able to get an email back from his team You know, after we kind of laid it out there. Like, listen, this is what we're doing. We're literally having all of your friends on the show like almost every week now. We we try. <laughs> and he's like, You wanna know what? This is fucking crazy. It's like attack coming from both sides. I will promise you here we'll be on right after the primary to talk about general election. I said, You wanna know what? Even better. I yeah. I could wait a couple more weeks. But, you know, they're trying to get him from every angle and uh Anthony yeah. Sabatini, if you followed his campaign and and we have extensively from the beginning, we, you know we first had him on the show the first time. He's been on twice. The first time was like a year and a half ago. He doesn't fucking back down from anybody uh, or care what the narrative is you're trying to like make fun of him for. He'll just yeah. he's a pit bull. Uh, yeah. He's probably one of the last people they want in the House of Representatives next year. Yeah. And uh, CNN tried to get him on the street with a little bit of uh, you know try to hit him with some talking points and see if they could. Uh, you know, get him to say some shit, and uh, I think you'll be appreciative of the way he punched back.
17: Let's hear it. In Florida... How's it going? Ultra-mega Republican, (laughs) Florida State Representative Anthony Sabatini is trying to take right-wing outrage one step further.
12: If it was up to me, I would totally defund the FBI.
17: I'm Anthony Sabatini. He's running for Congress in Florida's 7th District and has been making the rounds on far-right media after writing a tweet saying sever all ties with DOJ immediately. I like it. And any FBI agent conducting law enforcement functions outside the purview of our state should be arrested upon sight. Common sense.
3: Facts. Because?
17: 100%. Well, because uh, what they're doing is unlawful. It's time to actually start protecting the rights of Floridians under the 10th Amendment and push back against a lawless federal government. Right now, today, in Florida, FBI agents are chasing down bank robbers, oh, okay, organized yeah. criminals, <laughs> yep. attacking cyber crime in the state, gotcha. helping local law enforcement. Yeah.
6: You don't yeah, think so there's any an illogic, value in that?
17: It's an illogical argument. The FBI, at this point, is totally useless. We need to defund it and you let red no states... You have no idea what the value of the FBI is. Yes, I do. <laughs> is a former president just above the law no matter what? The FBI is not <laughs> above the law. If I'm saying they followed the law, which they did, to enter into that home, should that just not be allowed? The president, the former president, is above the law. He's a political target. He's being harassed by a but lawless road law. agency. Not, that's not a, a lawless They agency. spied on him. They have no respect for him. Mm-hmm. They hate the conservatives. They hate re- the Republicans. Wouldn't it be prudent to wait and see what the facts are before we, we have have such facts. a draconian uh-huh. statement? You we know? have enough facts.
3: Well, we certainly do. I mean, we've, we've seen...
18: This, is,
8: this, is, this interviewer... He's got a hard-on for the feds. It's like, let the guy talk. Let him say what he has to say. Why are you, like, defending the FBI? So
3: That's what I'm going to cut you off right there. Hey, 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 they're chasing mm. bank robbers. <laughs> so stupid. Hey, you know what, Anthony? Oh, dude. Bravo for having the balls to stand up to those jerk-offs. If I were in your shoes, I wouldn't even have gave him the interview. I would have flipped them I off know. and let, that, let them use that as their soundbite. Uh, mm. You know, but listen, listenership. There's very few races left. If there's one race in this country that needs help right now in any way you can, we got a lot of Florida listeners. You should be out getting into that district on the weekend, knocking on doors, hanging signs for Anthony Sabatini. If you're out of state, $5 over the course of thousands of people turns into a lot of money to help out these campaigns. And then that $5 registers you as an individual grassroots small donation donor. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are the stats that really start to – you know, stack up for these candidates and, and, and there's something that they wear is like a badge of honor. You know, if I have like 10,000, 20,000, depending on the size of the district, um, Anthony Sabatini needs help. You guys should be getting in there. You know, Joe Kent's going to be going down there and helping him out. And he's going to be joining us on Tuesday. We're going to get his uh, victory lap edition of the show after, you know, primary and uh, Herrera Butler. And, and we're going to hear all about how he's going to be switching gears now that he's matching up with a radical progressive Democrat in the, in the primary campaign. But staying in this thread, um, we're going to play another one from Steve Bannon, who had a pretty decent rant uh, yesterday on War Room. And uh, let's hear it as we're getting ready to wrap this segment
13: to defund the fbi it, it said give them the benefit of the doubt that the american gestapo <laughs> and it's outrageous what they've done they have taken a great institution and Boris is right. rights just not this it's been over years that's why you need a new church commission on the cia and the fbi the fbi yep. is going to be liquidated and we'll start over again yes. liquidated the systemic corruption They are pure evil. And every whistleblower there, you better start coming forward. You better start coming forward. There's plenty of points of contact. There's plenty of points of contact. You better start coming forward and letting people know your skirts are clean. Because this is the Republican Study Committee spent three hours with President Trump last night, Congressman Banks and his team, Mm -hmm. right, Claudia Tenney and others. We'll get more than that in the afternoon show. They're walking through already the deep investigations that are going to take place. The framework, the analytical framework for this. We are coming for you. And we don't care if uh, Joe Joe Scarborough, a failed, you know, three-term congressman because of a problem with a staffer (laughs) happening to die that he then had to go, you know, spend more quality time with his families, quote, unquote. Mm. We don't care if he's clutching his pearls, right? (laughs) We're coming. And we're coming hard, okay? This is outrageous. You've turned it into a police state, and we're not going to tolerate it. We are not going to
3: tolerate it. Oh. He would go on to call them scumbags oh. as well. <laughs> Which I think is completely warranted, uh, to, you know, I'd regarding where we're at. Yeah, So it, it's just one of those things. We We've tried to unpack all of this for you from so many different angles. We've heard from the radical progressive left. We've heard the narrative of the... U.S. Attorney General, so many people within our movement and some on the outside orbits who who can kind of weigh in. Uh, we've seen the attacks come against our own kind in in you know the form of uh, Representative Scott Perry that got held up on his family vacation, and then you know how they tried to get Anthony Sabatini. And in our last audio clip of this segment, we're going to hear one of our favorites. She'll be in here on our Tuesday edition of the show, Miss Christina Bob, uh, who last night jumped on with. Carrie Lake non-enjoyer um, Botox face, Laura Ingram. And you'll hear it v- very uh, unprofessional by Laura tried to like ban on her a couple times by like just talking over her every time she tried to wow. get a point, but you'll hear Christina kind of like grab the reins and, and bring it home with uh, delivering the message for the 45th president. Let's hear it.
19: Much, much was made about the safe, you know, the the, the safe right. cracker and so forth. but, Do we know? Was there anything in the safe? Was it much to do about nothing with the safe? Did anyone even know how to open the safe? What do we know about it?
20: Well, I love the story because I actually couldn't I couldn't accompany them. And so I couldn't see it. Yeah. I couldn't see what they were opening. So we, we know about the story because of the CCTV then the cameras were on. And so uh, those in New York watching were were aware. So I have to take their word for it. I know the president put the story out. So I have no reason to believe it didn't happen. But I wasn't able to witness it because I was pretty much relegated to the parking lot.
19: No, So when, when you were speaking with the FBI agents and the uh, agents at the time, were they cordial? Were they, you know, you can get a sense of someone's kind of embarrassed that they have to do something yeah. or it's just like, yeah, thank you. Move aside. Well, like, just right. give us some Well, flavor. initially...
20: Initially, it started out a little uh, heated. Simply, I mean, I was upset and you know, they were not excited to see me. So it, we had a, a little bit of an incident initially, uh, just me wanting access to the warrant. They didn't believe they needed to even show me the warrant. So we thought about that, not for very long, maybe a minute, no more than two. And I, I did have an opportunity to see it. They didn't give it to me. And then after we kind of worked through that you know, it was a long day. So, it, you know, there's no point in keeping it heated for too long. So only for a couple minutes, there was a little bit of tension and then it, it calmed mm-hmm. down for the most part and everything was fine. I, they wouldn't allow me inside anywhere. So I had to stand out in the heat for, I don't know, eight to eight hours or so, eight, maybe nine hours. And so eventually they were kind and offered me water because yeah. uh, I was out there, but oh, I, yeah, I nice. would have appreciated the opportunity to wait in air conditioning.
19: Did they did they give you the inventory list before they left or while they were doing the raid that they don't want to call a raid?
20: Right. The raid. Uh, We do have the inventory list, as you can expect. Uh, It's not particularly helpful. Uh, So, uh, yes, I kind of have the inventory list. They gave me the official receipt. Um, but you're going to give it to us tonight, really Christina, us
19: we're happy. We're happy to, <laughs> we're happy to talk about it tonight for the next 40 to. minutes on the show. Yeah. Well, um, I would love to. Christina, Christina, we really appreciate your joining us. Uh, you're a young lawyer and you were put in a, <laughs> uh, one of the most historic and I think egregious, uh, abuses of federal authority that I've seen in my legal career.
8: Christina, but I would have loved to see her at the time, like, been flying the wall just to see how she handled that situation because she's so sweet. But I could see like her, like I'd love to see her fiery side.
3: (laughs) I'm holding on to the possibility of her bringing that receipt to the show on Tuesday.
8: Oh my god, that'd be amazing! (laughs) Stay exclusive, right? (laughs) That'd be dope.
3: Um, you know, about doing your research. Hmm. Well, not only was Christina Baba the assistant secretary of the Department of Homeland Security for a couple of years inside the Trump administration, she was a she was a jag for over exactly. a decade uh, yeah. as a U.S. Marine. I know and and people and, don't like. Oh, yeah. You're a young lawyer. Do your fucking research.
8: I know. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it.
3: that last bit. Laura's a little bitch. She is. And You, you want to leave our Christina alone?
8: Now Don't fuck with her. (laughs) She's our girl. You don't want
18: this. (laughs) Gosh.
3: Well, you want to know what? That's kind of the narrative where we're at right now. Um, We've given you as much of what the vernacular is literally Mm -hmm. from inside of Trump Force One. Um, Mm -hmm. Brought you as many corresponding and related audio clips as we can. And now as we're getting ready to sit down with that back end of the Arizona ticket because this is our Arizona first victory lap edition of Steak for Breakfast. Um, And and as great as it was um, sitting down with Miss Carrie Lake at the top of the show, I'm just as excited to be uh, hanging out with Mark Fincham and Abe Homiday coming in hot next. Joining us next on the show today, he is the America first Trump endorsed Republican nominee for secretary of state, great state of Arizona, Arizona edition of Steak for Breakfast today. Mr. Mark Fincham, thanks for coming back on. Well, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? Congratulations on the big win last week.
2: Thank you. Um, things are going well. Things are going well. We're, um, I think we're, with a twenty-one percent margin. Um, my my team is basically saying that was a mandate, and um, I'm 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 grateful to the voters. I'm grateful to to my family, to my friends, to. Especially my donors. I mean, the people, we raised about $1.5 million. This is the most expensive primary in the history of Arizona. We spent all of $1.2 million in order to prosecute this. The people in the primary, one of them spent just as much. Uh, Another one spent over $500,000. So all in, I mean, we're talking about nearly $3 million for a primary. Yeah. But that tells you how important this office is.
3: No, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that race uh, to get there and to have the massive turnout and the, the consequential win that you had last week. Uh, we saw a lot of the same problems in Arizona that we saw in 2020. Obviously, the ballots ran out in Pinal County. We had the funny business yeah. with, with the counting in and, and, and Maricopa as well. Mark, when you get in there, Secretary of State, you're going to be working hand in glove with the Attorney General and obviously the Governor to reform and, and streamline that election system. Uh, what are some of the things that you're going to be moving through the general election campaign that you're going to be running on that's going to uh, motivate those Arizona voters to uh, look forward to as far as you know making elections free and fair and safe again?
2: That's a great question. I think election security and election integrity are, remain the issues. Um, but I, I think it's important that we... We, we get to a place and this will, this will be my number one priority. We get to a place where we're holding people accountable to follow the election laws. Now coming from the, it, it might sound simplistic, but coming from the legislature <laughs> after serving for eight years and voting on public policy matters, putting things into law that frankly, the reason we pass laws is we expect people to follow them. <laughs> Well, if people aren't going to follow them, then perhaps we need to refer that to the attorney general's office to see to it that action is taken so that individuals in the executive branch understand we're serious about this. This isn't, this isn't a suggestion. It's a requirement. So my number one role as a senior elections um, officer for the state Will to be will be to see to it that people are following election law. Now, some of the other things that we'll we'll be pursuing, um, one is the cleanup of our voter rolls. Yeah. Now, that has to be done at the county level, but the state um, does have a role in that. Um, one of the things that I'm going to require, uh, and I we have to make sure that we can do this under rulemaking authority. Um, I want the e-poll books because they they use these electronic poll books. <sighs> anything that's electronic can be hacked. Hard stop. So let's get over this idea of everything is safe and secure. That's electronic. It's not. And I want to see our poll books printed to paper, uh, and memorialized, if you will, to uh, save a copy at the secretary of state's office. So that if there is a question after the fact, we can go back and take a look at the hard copy paper, and that needs to be done on the day that uh, registration closes. Yeah, that's one of the big big items that we're going to have to pursue.
3: Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, we're looking forward to seeing you working on. Um, another issue I wanted to talk on real quick. Obviously, the well this year it's been on the news a lot more. The Tucson sector has been getting slammed with uh, the migrant crisis that Joe Biden. You know, initiated on day one of his administration, yes. and uh, you know, in, in a week where we saw the Inflation Reduction Act, we are we're all laughing on the inside when we say that passed, and you know, money appropriated for over close to ninety thousand new IRS agents. Uh, we have to go back and remember during the Appropriation Committee hearings for the Department of Homeland Security this year, the Border Patrol was gifted three hundred uh, new agents for next year across the board and and for the entire nation. So. Right. I know there's a pretty comprehensive uh, immigration and border policy that's on the table right there in Arizona right now, hopefully with mm-hmm. you and Carrie and Abe getting over the finish line in November, we're going to see that enacted. What are some of the things you're looking forward to there in regards of uh, getting that border locked down and making it safe for the people who live down there again?
2: Well, they uh, you, you put them, I'm, I'm going to go back to something you just said. So we are we're, we're dying here. We need border patrol agents and these clowns, decide that they want to have 87,000 IRS agents, no border patrol agents. So uh, it's telling that they're more interested in harassing the American people than they are in protecting our Southern border. Alejandro Mayorkas is a liar. Joe Biden is a liar. We do not have operational control of our Southern border. We have cartels that are running people and poison across our, our border without impunity. I mean, they are running this stuff. I mean, it, it, not a day goes by that we don't see um, Sheriff Mark Lamb's team yep. stopping at least a vehicle. You know, I think the last one was 50,000 fentanyl pa- tablets. That's enough to kill the entire state of Arizona. Yeah. I mean, that this is insane. So they want to have 87,000 irs agents which by the way in the job description it talks about um must be uh, okay with using deadly force what this is about property this is insane
3: yeah yeah so
2: um what we can do at the state level now the legislature uh passed an appropriation for an additional 500 million dollars 500 million dollars to beef up the border security strike force here in Arizona. Now, what that does is it gives DPS money. It gives, um, we're gonna put money in the hands of the county sheriffs. Some of that is gonna be staffing up with additional um, personnel. Um, some that's gonna be organizational stuff, communications, Sure. Um, some of the equipment upgrades. Um, we wanna see an upgrade to drone capabilities so that we're able to um, really get into the, the observation nests of the bad guys. Because just about every hilltop that is uh, along the southern border, that's a, that's a watch post, a lookout post for the drug cartels and the human smuggling cartels. So, I mean, there's some things that are going on that I'm, I'm not really at liberty to talk about. Some sure. of the, the, the strategy is going to be to gang tackle this thing. The tactics, uh, that I can't really get into. But you can do a lot of damage against the bad guys with $500 million.
3: You sure can. And, uh, no, it's good to hear it just from what's been outlined through, through pretty much the entire Arizona tickets campaign. Everybody from, uh, you know, the Attorney General and Secretary of State all the way up through the, the person who won the Republican nomination for the senator. It sounds like it's extremely comprehensive and uh, will probably be the gold standard by the time it's all implemented across the uh, southern border there in Arizona. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, M- <laughs> Mark, one of the things we're trying to get a uh, – You know, hot take on from everybody this week. Obviously, it's dominating the news cycle. It's not the passing of the Chips Act or the Inflation Reduction Bill. It's what happened with Donald Trump in regards to uh, you know the the raid that happened at Mar-a-Lago earlier in the week. Now we're in day day five since it's happened. Uh, We we talked to uh, one of Donald Trump's lawyers this morning, Christina Bob. I'm sure you know her. She's great, and uh, you know she said. To this minute, they still have no idea what the probable cause was to secure that warrant, present it to a judge, and then enforce it down there at Mar-a-Lago. Definitely unprecedented, still to be determined on whether or not it's illegal, most likely unconstitutional. Outside looking in, as someone who's moving into like one of the major state roles right there with uh, Secretary of State, what, how do you feel this whole thing is going down, and, and what do you think is going to wind up coming of it?
2: I think we have a lawless administration. And they don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about precedent, but you know, a funny thing happened on the way to Mar-a-Lago. They lost their minds. And now, and I, I think you've got, uh, you know, everybody from Newt Gingrich to, um, Ted Cruz. Are you guys, did you really think this through? Because now you have just opened up Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden. Um, I'm sure Barack Obama, yep. mm-hmm. you've just opened up all of these people to get similar treatment. Now, the only thing that I can think of that would give them pause, no, they didn't even take pause. No, <laughs> They think, they, they, I think they, they believe that they now own the government to the level that you will never see a Republican president in place that will be able to challenge them again. I think that they are um, so convinced that they have instituted one-party rule and turned us into a banana republic. I think that that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Um, I think it's despicable what they did. Um, I've, I've spoken with Christina Bob, uh, not at length about this, but um, I do know that they were engaged in negotiations to turn over papers, whatever. What they're t- and here's the problem because there was not a representative, uh, a a lawyer representing the president in the premises while they were going through things, they could have planted all kinds of evidence. Yep. Yep. They could have created What they're doing is they're trying to create a narrative. They're scared to death of Donald Trump getting back in office because what he's going to do, there'll be a whole bunch of one way trips to Gitmo.
3: Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh huh.
2: So I, I think what they did is despicable. And the the FBI agents that were part of that team, quite frankly, they should resign. Yeah, that was a an, that was a lawless action. And the U.S. attorney that approved it, that guy needs fired. Yep. and probably disbarred.
3: Yeah, we're living in some, uh, you know, when it comes to this administration, crazy times. You have the Supreme Court make rulings, and then you have the office of the president, the, you know, his spokeswoman, the press secretary, come out and say, "Yeah, that's fine." They they ruled on it. We're not going to adhere to it. You have federal judges all over the country trying to right. uphold some of these border policies when governors and secretaries of states and attorney generals from all over the place are saying, like, literally, we can't stop the bodies. We can't stop the fentanyl. Please help us. Well,
2: yeah, no, yeah, you can't. You, you, you just got to try.
3: Yeah. But, I mean, you have judges. But they're not even trying. No, no. and We've seen Alejandro Mayorkas go out and write, you know, uh, amendments to judge rulings that just kind of say, okay, they said we can't do this anymore. We're going to call it something else and we're just not going to do it anyway.
2: He's, he's a liar. Yes. He is a stone cold liar and should frankly be impeached. He should be removed from office for maladministration for lying to Congress. That's a crime. Yes. He should be prosecuted. But since Congress controlled by Democrats who want open borders, um, They don't seem to care. They don't seem to care that we are losing a record number of people from fentanyl overdoses. They don't care. They're the party of death, destruction, and murder. An ongoing criminal enterprise. That's the Democrat party of today.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. Mark, what are the gears that you're switching and kind of revamping heading into the summer and the general election campaign? Obviously, you know, we're hoping that a lot of the, you know, primary challengers there get on board as much as they can but that's kind of up to them and and not really within your power other than like you know talking to them and saying like a united republican ticket is a lot better than people who just get out of the game and don't want to be involved anymore it's always a numbers game but the fact of the matter is uh, um moving towards the general election and uh you know how's the narrative going to switch to to obviously opponent on the other side of the aisle now
2: well, um, we now know who that individual is going to be. It's um, Adrian Fontes, who was responsible. He was the Maricopa County recorder oh. in 2020. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, he's the best the Democrats can put up. This is the very same guy who's, who the Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, had to go to court to prevent him from breaking the law to mail out ballots indiscriminately. That's who the Democrats are putting up for their candidate, their nominee, for Secretary of State. By the way, he was involved in Fast and Furious as an attorney. Um, I mean, this guy is a hot mess. So our number one message, look, my job as your next Secretary of State will be to hold people accountable for following the law. That's the number one priority. Number one. After that, um, there's a whole bunch of, of items that we have on the checklist to clean up. A lot of that has to do with technology cleanup. Um, I already have a good idea who my chief technology officer is going to be. We're starting to put the team together. Um, you know, as far as uh, chief of staff, those kinds of things, those decisions, we're engaged in conversations with right now. But the the number one message is we're we're going to put an end to the lawlessness that has infected the political structure of the state of Arizona. Now there's some people that don't like that. In fact, um, Bill Gates, not the uh, Microsoft Bill Gates, right? The, other Bill Gates. the Arizona Bill Gates. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Arizona Bill Gates, who by the way, has an obsessive hatred of me. Wow. Probably cause, well, Probably because, well, probably because I called him out for not following the law. Um, he was spotted a couple of days ago having breakfast with none other than Adrian Fontes, the Democrat, and has come out and said, perhaps, um, Republicans need to lose this coming election for Secretary of State because we we just don't want a MAGA guy in that seat. That would be me. So that tells you, and I've long held that we have Democrats registered as Republicans holding office because they couldn't be honest. Um, That's. And some some people would say this is the John McCain faction of the Republican Party. Mm. I would say it's the John McCain faction of the Democrat Party that has infiltrated the Republican Party. Semantics, maybe. But at the end of the day, uh, we've got people who they're OK with lawlessness. Well, I, I'll tell you, sir, I am not. And I think when we see the, the, the number of people who turned out record turnout in the primary, by the way, the number of people who turned out to vote for a guy who has been championing um, secure elections, election integrity, I think that says a lot.
3: Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, it's one of the biggest reasons why we focus on Arizona so hard. I mean, we, we do look at a lot of other states. For instance, we got the Michigan ticket coming in next Friday and stuff like that. But it just seems like Arizona's ground zero. So for what is, what's happened there the past couple of decades and how where you're at right now, it seems like, you know, you mentioned like the Republican or – yeah, the John McCain's of the, of the Democrat party. It's like state governments now are, are just like a haven for like an administrative state group where they don't really care which party's in power, as long as like they can collect their paycheck and, you know, always have a job right. and, and you guys are coming right. in there and just blowing it up from top to bottom and looking to completely, you know, make it to where it's like something that's resembles what it was, you know, originally once was.
2: Well, Okay. So president Trump in his inaugural address said something that really stuck in my mind and that is it's time to return the power back into the hands of the people. Mm -hmm. That's paraphrased, but that's what, that's what he said. Um, and I think that that's right. We have never seen, at least in my, my lifetime, I have never seen the level of engagement and involvement of the people in an election process. I've never seen this. We have um, legislative districts where we have precinct committee men in Arizona. They're full. Every position has been filled. There are, for the last 20 years, you'd be lucky to get half of those positions filled. Now they're filled, and they're filled with worker base. They're filled with doers, not talkers. We've got people now who are running for school board, who are running for hospital board, water district board, fire district board. We have got people so engaged now and so fired up about being a part of the political process. Quite frankly, it warms my heart. It it, it tells me that we really do have a chance for America to survive the Joe Biden administration. There's a great book that I would urge your uh, listeners to to pick up. It's called Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. Uh, it's basically a repudiation of tyrannical civil government and how how much power the people really have. For example, how much power the sheriff's office has, and how that individual that occupies that office, what their real job is. And I don't I don't know if you've you've had Sheriff Richard Mack on. He'd be a great guest for you to interview. Um, the The chief role of the sheriff is to protect the civil rights of the people. It's not just it's not road patrol on the jail and all that. All those things are are duties, absolutely, of
3: course. But the
2: primary role of the sheriff is to protect the civil rights of the people. So to see people getting involved at the level that they are. Um, I think it bodes well for the American experience.
3: No, it certainly does. And, uh, you know, to see you guys at the forefront right now fighting our biggest battles, and and like you said, with the backing of so much engagement of the people there, it seems like we are really in a time of revival. You know, Donald Trump, uh, you know, You know, back when the Tea Party movement started, it kind of was in a lull for a while. And then Donald Trump brought that nationalist populace back with MAGA. And then we went through the Trump presidency. There was the up and downs. Most of it was, you know, arrows directed towards him that led to the downs. But there was a lot of ups in regards to, like you said, trying to transfer the power back to the people. And now we see after, you know, 18, 19 months of of licking our wounds, regrouping and, and forming a comprehensive strategy. It has evolved into something, I think. It's even bigger than it was in 2016 right now. And I think it's when you play the long game, we're looking at a couple of great election cycles, probably up through 2026, where we're going to see numbers in in governors, secretaries of states, attorney generals, senators, house seats, and obviously presidents uh, really switch back to ones that more represent the people other than the disaster we're in right now.
2: I think that's right. And um, I think the reason that the establishment crowd is reacting the way it is uh, and partnering up with dem- Democrats, they don't want to let go of power. Nope. And they've forgotten the lesson that it's the people who give them power for a limited period of time. And by the way, a limited amount of power. Sure. And when the people say, ah, we're taking that back, and we're going to give it to somebody else. You don't get to cheat. In an effort to try and maintain power, because that's what we're seeing right now. We are seeing, essentially, the protective mechanism of the elites, the Democrats and the establishments, establishment types. It's the mechanism to protect the status quo. They don't want to give up power. They don't want to give up that, that cushy job and all the perks and all the opportunity, to, which, by the way, state legislators, I'm not one of the... I'm one of those guys who passed up on the, you know, free book football tickets. I went to a couple of football games, but I just don't want to be a part of that culture right? Um, where you've got the people that you're supposed to be regulating are, you know, gift givers. Mm. Now I don't, I don't need that. Don't want it. I don't want my decision-making to be tainted by anything um, that the average Joe doesn't have access to. So uh, I think you're right. We're, this is going to be a long ball scenario. And part of part of the critical path for this stuff is the U.S. District Court case that Kerry Lake and I have. Um, we're waiting on the decision from Dr. Judge Tichi around um, a preliminary injunction that would prevent the use of black box ballot tabulation equipment like Dominion, ESNS, and that.
3: Yep. Yeah, that's that is great. I mean. I really do feel like you guys that are running in this election cycle right now are going to be part of the blueprint that we're going to use for election cycles to come. And you've done such an outstanding job. We were at the Arizona rally at the end of last month. We got to see you speak both beforehand and then obviously get acknowledged by President Trump during the rally. And it was just a, 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 the atmosphere you talk about. It, it's not just those people that go, you know, for us to go to San Diego to, to Prescott, we got to drive like, you know, five hours across Arizona. Your guys' stuff was all over
0: every freeway.
3: And just to see the way the people are engaged right uh, now, it, it's one of those things that you uh, you can't take for granted, and we really appreciate. Mark, we want to direct as much of our listenership to help you out in, in you know, probably getting into one of the most expensive general election cycles that we're ever going to, you know, see. And uh, if you could give us your social medias yeah. and campaign websites.
2: Well, the campaign website is VoteFinchem.com. That's V-O-T-E, F like Frank, dot mcom all my social media um, contacts are up in the upper right hand corner and you're right. Please, please, please push the donate button. Even if it's only 20 bucks, um, we (laughs) we're going to have to raise $2.5 million between now and the first of November. And it's especially helpful if somebody can give say 50 bucks a month, three times, you know, on a recurring contribution or even 50 bucks a week. Uh, that's going to help us get to our number and it's it's critical it's critical that we have small donors because that's um, we've got over 20,000 small donors that is in itself is a mandate yeah because the people are behind me and uh, you know the team that we're putting together uh, the folks that are out there chasing boats um, it's 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 just so gratifying to see so many people coming together and really being I, I can't emphasize this enough really being engaged in the political process. So if you just go to vote, you'll find me on Gab, Truth Social, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all the, all the places, all the places. I think Getter might even be in that mix too. Yeah. And Telegram. Absolutely.
3: We'll live link those in the show description today. And at some point between now and uh, you know, obviously the election will, we'll have you back for, for an update, Mark.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks again for the opportunity to turn on your show.
3: We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on. This is the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, Secretary of State, Arizona. Mr. Mark Fincham, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. All right, jumping in next with us on the show today, he is now the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee for the Attorney General in the great state of Arizona. Abe Homiday, thanks for coming back on the show.
15: Thanks for having me on, guys. It's good to be with you.
3: We're taking minor victory laps today, so I think a congratulations is at hand. You you ran a hell of a race. You were on a big MAGA ticket, and uh, top to bottom, you guys cleaned house uh, not too long ago.
15: It was fantastic, and honestly, if you look at it, I was the last candidate to jump into any statewide race in Arizona in November, and it's just it's it stunned people what what we just pulled off. I mean, we got. 34%. Thirty-four percent. My next closest competitor is at twenty-three percent, um, and the, you know, I was competing against some, you know, pretty well-established lawyers, right? I mean, this is Attorney General's office. There's six candidates in this race, and we just absolutely dominated them. And I give credit a lot to President Trump and his endorsement at the end. But you know, we were running a very good campaign with the right message and you know, if you look at what's going on, we don't have, we don't have patience for weak need Republicans. And that's why I jumped in this race. I mean, some of my opponents are running since April of 2021. And- yeah. You know, the reason why I, I ran is because I'm not satisfied with mediocrity anymore. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to allow our country and our state to slowly die. I think at this point we have to save it. So that's why this is what the movement that we've built, you know, with Carrie Lake, Mark Finch and Blake Masters. I mean this movement is powerful. And that's why it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. We're all united and we're all going to take on the radical left this November.
3: Yeah, and that state ticket that's Trump endorsed in America First is one that we'll never see get into office like ever before after the November elections to see everybody literally run together behind, uh, you know, Trump era policies and stuff like that. You talked about a couple of things I want to touch on. First one, well, part of your campaign, one of the things that we've heard from several of our guests on the show, I believe uh, Rick Grinnell was the last one to bring it up. One of the things he liked about you is that you you really got into the fact uh, less attorney, more general. Now you're still in the Army Reserves, and that is a kind of a catchy phrase, but there there is some, you know, meat behind it. You want to let our listenership know just exactly like how you formulated it to work that into your platform.
15: Yeah, I mean, I think when when I talk about that, it's too often lawyers and attorneys, you know, they sit back and they wait for they wait for controversies to come to them. But we have to start going on offense. Right. And that's where that's where that mantra came in. And it's my style. It's it's I, I, I see the sense of urgency in our country that we are quickly, you know, going to hell. And if we don't turn ship around this November, I'm not sure what kind of country we're going to have left. I mean, look what just happened. I mean, it, it seems like now it's normal that there's gender pronouns in society. Yeah. That shouldn't be the case. Right. I mean, what the, the left's culture war attack on us. Why I focus on it is because they're destroying us uh, internally and they're doing it effectively with the backing of academia, which they've had for decades. They're doing it. With the backing of big tech of big business of sports industry. So that's what we're looking at. And as attorney general, you know, I, I have the power to sue. We have the ability to sue, but we're not just fighting the federal government anymore. Now we have to look at these uh, these these even these big tech businesses who can be as tyrannical as the federal government. So that's what we're going up against. So that's when I talk about, you know, less attorney, more general. Um, obviously, you know, the attorney general's office, I'm going to have a, a 425 attorneys that work underneath me and as well as 700 staff. So it's a pretty sizable office, about 1,300. But, and it, it's it's it should scare President Biden's administration because I intend to go on offense. What we just witnessed, for instance, down in Mar-a-Lago, I mean, if you're seeing the weaponization of all federal uh, government agencies, not just with the FBI, but if you look at the IRS now, with, yep. you know, 87,000 new special agents. I mean, wouldn't that be nice, but 87,000 new border patrol agents at our southern border here in Arizona and Texas? I think that would be a very good start, but this is what this is what's going on. They they see us as a threat, and if what we can do here in Arizona, we can protect Arizona. But then we can also go on offense, similar to what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. You
3: know, we did. uh we we, we like to give all the numbers out, and you did mention that. You know, uh, in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, they have the appropriations for eighty seven thousand new IRS agents. You know, the D- Department of Homeland Security was able to secure appropriations for 300 new border patrol agents next year um <laughs> that won't even factor into the mix pretty much until fiscal year 24 because obviously they're going to go through the hiring process and then there's the background and then they go to the academy for you know eight months and then by the time they hit the floor we're, we're already almost at the end of the fiscal year next year so 87,000 compared to 300 and where's the real crisis i don't think it's a hard-working middle-class americans people that live in arizona small business owners who are uh you know, not paying their taxes. It's it's the, you know, almost 4 million people that have crossed the border since the Biden regime took over.
15: Absolutely. And, you know, you hit on something too. If you look at who these 87,000 IRS agents are going to be targeting, you know, actually it targets minorities at a disproportionate number than yep. whites and it's gonna be poor minority. So it's gonna affect Hispanics and, and blacks at a higher percentage. So you know this is, this is gonna be an issue why the Republican Party is uniting and Hispanics are flocking to the Republican Party actually right now. Because they're they're recognizing that Democrats offer nothing but misery. I mean they they want you to be, they want you to hate your country. They want to have higher taxes. They want to have you know this whole inflation reduction act. I don't even like calling it them. It's similar to the Patriot Act when they yeah. use these and use these names to try to confuse the public. Um, so no, th- this is where we ha- we're going to push back. I think. Americans are waking up slowly, but it's actually happening faster than I thought. I mean, if you look at the Hispanic community, I mean, there was even a poll just done the other day. Kerry Lakes up in Hispanic and his with Hispanics here in Arizona quite uh, big as well, and I think it's only going to increase. Uh, at this point, you know, we're we're uniting the the whole edict of the United States, "E pluribus unum," out of many, one. Yeah. You know, that's something that us Republicans in America first candidates all understand that we're all united right now because our country needs saving and it's not going to be done in dc yes we still need to send good people like blake masters to the senate in dc but that's they're going to be doing much more of a defensive rule it is hard to take on the swamp when you're inside the swamp i think it's going to be a lot easier when you have arizona florida and these good republican attorneys general who are fighting back and just like we did when President Biden tried to try to get rid of Title Forty Two down at the border. I mean, who stopped him? It was state AGs. Yep. Back in February, when you're looking at if you donated money to the Canadian truckers, remember GoFundMe was going to use that money to, to send to radical leftist organizations who stopped them from doing that. It was state AG. So that's where, that's where we're going to, you know, we're going to use the Democrat playbook on, on them and, you know, show them, show them what it's like because they, they've inflicted uh, pain on us for too long and we have to punch back.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of good ones running across the country. We're going to have the whole Michigan ticket in here next Friday and, you know, they've got somebody great running for attorney general there as well. I do want to kind of stay in Arizona, though, and talk to you about, you know, something from, uh, you know, the future AG standpoint. Now, we did see some massive failures on Election Day, as as historically we've seen over the last, you know, couple election cycles there. Obviously, the funny business that always goes on in Maricopa County. They know if uh, there's a strong Republican running, they're going to get massive turnout over 70 percent day of. And they weren't prepared for that, probably purposely. We saw them running out of Republican ballots only in places like Pinal County. And, um, you know, it just it took the wind, you know, out of the sails of what would, could have been like, a, you know, a major victory celebration. We think that was planned. They obviously knew by the end of election night what the numbers were going to be just based off what was coming in. And they, and they drug it out for like a week before, you know, Carrie had to hop on a plane and head down to CPAC to talk at a whole bunch of, uh, you know, places where she was going to be appearing over the course of the weekend. What are some of the things that you that you plan on doing to make sure that let's just say in twenty twenty four the election system is gonna be a lot, you know, safer and sound and, and running efficiently, uh, when you have the opportunity to work with somebody like Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham together?
15: Yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I think Arizona has a very good opportunity to create a bulletproof election system, right? Where it's, you know, we do mail-in ballots, as I mentioned, it, we have 30 days of mail-in ballots, which is an incredibly long time if you think about it. Some states have 10 days of early ballots, but we uh, we have uh, mail-in ballots and early voting for about 30 days. I think that's, I think that's excessively long. Um, there's so much that could happen in that 30 days. So I think what we have to do is look at you know, we have to start getting tough, and there has to be consequences for some of these screw ups. I mean, if you're looking at Pinal County, you know, a few days ago, President Trump actually called me. We were talking about Pinal County and the massive screw up there. For what, as an Attorney General, what I see happening, these are civil rights violations. Yes, I mean they. they they're saying that your vote, you can't even go vote because it ran out of Republican ballots. That to me is a civil rights violation that we're going to look at it because they're, ha- and we can't just say, oh, okay, you know, it's it screwed up and we'll get it better next time. That's unacceptable. And I think that's where, as attorney general, what I'm going to do is we're going to enforce the law. We're going to use civil rights acts to start going after um, some of these counties if they're going to, if they're going to be using shenanigans to, to, uh, to screw up our elections. So this is where, working with mark he will be secretary of state and i think he'll have a, a good ability especially him being a former legislator to work with the legislature to create new laws and to fix up our election system because we have to understand how we got to this point i mean it was it was a slope it was a slow drawn out period where you know we, we we slowly accepted that voting by mail is the norm that shouldn't be the way it is i mean I I was actually overseas on a on an army deployment in 2020, and I voted overseas by email. Mm. Right? They they actually Arizona is one of three states that allow email voting. And you know, at the time I wasn't thinking much of it, but when you come back and you take a step back, you realize the whole purpose of mail-in ballots was for military members who are overseas. And now they've moved that goalpost to email voting and they've moved that. If you're in the state, now you vote by mail. So, I mean, Arizona is about 80 plus percent mail-in ballots. And I I think they're going to be ripe with fraud because ultimately what's the point of voter ID if you're voting by mail?
3: Yeah, it's really hard to verify. And, uh, you know, it, 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 like you said, and, and you, you elaborated on, it takes that whole component out of it. Um, and we have to get back to to an older system, a better system that can be, you know, ran at much more condensed level uh, w- with actual eyes on it and n- no stacking of the chips. Like, you know, I, I mentioned it to you before we went on the air. There's a couple states in, in the United States that 75 days before the general election. They got mail-in ballots coming in. You know, it's, it's real easy on election day to gauge – what your day of game day turnout is when you have numbers already, you know, because they're counting them as they come in and uh, it just sets up for a lot of shady business, a lot of fraud. Uh, And that goes into like the historical fraud component of it. It's not like the newer things, like the drop boxes and the ballot harvesting and, you know, kicking people out of the polling centers on that's more of like the last 10, 20 years in places like Atlanta and Philadelphia, the blue wall states have always had funny business going on. But now it's like, you know, evolved into places that are historically red. We've seen a lot of it in Texas. We've seen it in now Arizona the last couple election cycles. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, you touched on that because uh, it's something that really needs to end.
15: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, if we look at Europe, if you look at France when they have, you know, one day in person voting and yet they get the results on the same day, it's sad that we have to look to Europe for so many of our policy positions. If you see most of Europe bans abortions after 12 weeks, you know, and that's Europe and Europe is pretty godless actually, so, and now the the left uh, over here wants to have abortion on demand up and up until, up until birth. You know, that's why, that's why we have to, we have to get the messaging right. We can't ever, you know, concede on these issues, because we have the right policy uh, proposals. It's the left that want to confuse and distort the truth. And that's what we ultimately have to stick by.
3: Yeah. Uh, it absolutely is. And, and you know, I, I look forward to someone who has, you know, put Arizona under the microscope for the last couple of years with, with our coverage and then seeing these candidates go through 2020 and now the great crop that's going through there now in the uh, 2022 midterms. Hey, last thing I want to touch with you on, it's probably the hottest topic in the nation right now is uh, what happened to President Trump earlier in the week in regards to, you know, the FBI and the DOJ coming down on him uh, down at Mar-a-Lago. So I talked to Christina Bob this morning. She's one of the Handful of personal attorneys that President Trump has. And, uh, you know, she told us that still to this moment, they don't know what the probable cause was to be able to request that warrant from a judge, get it, and then execute it down at Mar a Lago. They still have not been told. Um, coming from an attorney general standpoint, outside looking in, I mean, obviously I know where your opinion is going to be, but legally, how crazy is this to see something like this going on? And there's still to be, like, if it was a regular citizen and there was real probable cause and you know all the lawyers were getting involved but this is obviously some kind of a demoralization campaign or technique that the administration's using they're trying to get away from the fact that in addition to having a failure in the middle east with his trip to saudi arabia the stuff that's going on now we're seeing a lot of corruption uncovered in ukraine you had those two awful america last bills passed through the house and senate last week the chips act and the uh inflation reduction act which is going to you know, make inflation continue to shoot through the roof and not produce American jobs like they're saying. And and now you have Joe Biden bouncing back from, like, his second bout with COVID and just being kind of a disaster. They go on a two-week vacation. Right before they do it, they light the fire down at Mar-a-Lago, and now the whole time that he's out of the news cycle, they just get to continue to, like, formulate another hoax against the 45th president of the United States, same way they did with Russiagate and Spygate and both impeachments and, you know, all the other stuff that was going on. What's your opinion on what's going on there and... uh You know, how do do you feel like as an attorney general, how stuff like this needs to be like ending?
15: This is exactly why I'm running for a statewide office. I think our federal government, what's happened is it's been so corrupted. I mean, I I have friends who have been retired FBI agents and they are horrified to see what the FBI has turned into. I mean, the FBI, I mean, think about it, you know, as kids, we used to love the FBI. We used to aspire to be FBI agents and now, it's seen as uh, the the political the the arm of, of the Democratic Party, and that's what's that's exactly what's happening. So when you're seeing that, you know, the raid that occurred, you know, they, they got this uh, the warrant, search warrant approved by a magistrate judge first of all, a federal magistrate judge who is not Senate confirmed, uh, and then they they go in there, spend nine hours, cover of darkness, they're in there while President Trump's not even there; he's up in uh, New York and New Jersey, and. It, it, there's just so many questions and you see the press conference of Merrick Garland the uh, yesterday, I believe yep. it, it, it just, it just, it defy, this is what's the, whatever the Democrats accuse Republicans of doing is what they actually do. I mean, they, they weaponize the, the government for their political gain. But I think this is, I think this has actually boosted Republicans. I mean, even, even the weak Republicans have now looked at this and said, this is unacceptable. And I think they're even starting to, I mean, you saw Mike Pence, yep. uh, former vice president, Mike, Pence. He even came out with a statement condemning it. So, you know, th- they obviously fear President Trump. They fear him from the moment he he entered office. I mean, if you look at what's been going on, and he he, he is the most persecuted man besides just what went on in Mar-a-Lago. Look at what the New York Attorney General. Has done yeah. to President Trump and his family. I mean, he had to sit in a deposition uh, the other day as well. So this is what the radical left has infiltrated every aspect of our government, at the state level, at the federal level. But this is where a state AG's—you know—we have the ability to protect Arizona and push back. Because imagine if Arizona had a Letitia James, New York Attorney General, here in Arizona, she would try to be prosecuting President Trump too. Right now, they're trying to—they're trying every every avenue to prevent President Trump from running again in 2024. They are absolutely scared of that man. And, and it was, for all what they say, that they wish that he runs because they, they'll defeat him, that's not the case. And, no. I mean, President Trump, he's in the news out of the most out of any president. We never hear about George Bush, or even Barack Obama. you We almost feel like Barack Obama was a, a lifetime ago. Doesn't it seem like that? Yes. And here, President Trump, he's just, you know, he, he he's still active. I mean, he is the most powerful politi- uh, man in the United States still to this day and Biden just can't accept that. Yeah, he's once in a lifetime
3: political icon and he's like one that we've never seen before. I mean, you got to experience the rally out there in late July. We were there. We saw you. You gave a great speech beforehand and then obviously were recognized by President Trump throughout the course of the rally and it's like you know, he's almost two years out of office and uh, you know, if you, if you ever tune into the legacy media, they say he's, you know, not a factor anymore and we should be running all these other candidates in it. But when you see him really connect to the base and the amazing atmosphere that just follows that man around, like he he's already had all the money and fame he could ever want in the world. This is really how he's paying it forward and paying it back to the country for the great life that his family's had.
15: Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, just in the rally was spectacular to see, right? I mean, Arizona has a really good crop of candidates all around. I mean, to have Blake masters, Kerry Lake, myself up there on stage and, it, it's just a, a sight to be seen, and that's where I'm really excited about Arizona, and I think the rest of the country is too. If you're looking at the New York Times, economists, they're they're all writing these hit pieces on all of us. I mean, they're calling us the Triangle of Tyranny. Okay. <laughs> I I look in the mirror some days and I wake up I'm like, man, they think I'm a tyrant. You know, all all I want is freedom. I never wanted to see the government shut down churches, schools, and small businesses. Yeah. I'm the tyrant. Right. So this, and I want, I want free and fair elections where it's, there's no fraud in that fraud in them. So if you look at what the left has done they're they're the ones who are tyrants and you know, it's, we have to push back and that's where I'm excited. I think Americans are waking up actually. I think the radical left, you know, they're going to be so far gone that they have, no, their intention is to destruction the United States, actually. So they're a lost cause. But I think, you know, everyday Americans, they're, they're recognizing that President Trump was the most persecuted man and actually... If you see if you life under President Trump, we had peace in the Middle East, which nobody wants to talk about, the Abraham Accords, which was fantastic. We didn't have a war in Europe. We weren't begging Germany for baby formula. I mean, we were strong. We were energy independent. Now look at us. It, it is absolutely pathetic. And it's been done. It's been unraveled in such a short amount of time. And this is why we can't have... Uh, George Soros prosecutors at the attorney general's office, like my democratic opponent. I mean, she is, I don't know if you know much about her, but she was literally funded by Tom Steyer. If you remember Tom Steyer from California. Oh yeah. We see his commercials all the time. Oh yeah, from the green, the green New Deal stuff. She was, she was a leading advocate for that. She was the AOC before she even existed. So you know, we, there, there's, there's interest involved. Michael Bloomberg wants to get rid of our guns. He's gonna have a, he's gonna probably spend money as well. So you know, we're going up against the machine, but luckily we're a united front, and I think we have the American people on our side as well.
3: I completely agree with you, and uh, we're going to continue to track your campaign, your battle now throughout the general election cycle, and uh, at some point between now and November, Abe, I'm. I'm Pretty sure it's safe to assume that you'll be joining us again to uh, give our listenership an update. They love the state of Arizona so much. We always get a lot of great feedback when you guys come on the show. For our listenership, can we uh, get your website and social media? Is there anything we could do to help support you in the uh, campaign moving forward?
15: Absolutely, and it would be really appreciative right now because we just had a brutal six-way primary, and my Democratic opponent. You see, here in Arizona, the Democrats they run their primaries like Saddam Hussein ran his election. <laughs> they they have no options and no choice. So she had no opponent, but we had to go through a brutal primary. But my website is abeforag.com, dot AbeForAG abefora dot com, and would love any financial support we can get, just because my opponent is sitting on a on a stockpile of cash that she's waiting to unleash on us um, any day now.
3: Yeah, we got a very hands-on listenership that likes to get in there and support those campaigns. Abe, we wish you the best throughout the summer. Like I said, we'll be sitting down with you again sometime before the general election, and uh, we really appreciate the fact that you uh, took some time out of your busy schedule to come hang out with us today.
15: Of course, thank you so much.
3: Yeah, this is the Trump-endorsed, America first. Republican nominee, Attorney General, Great State of Arizona, Abe Homaday, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. All right, back into the show now. Heading home, we've rounded third, Great to get all those uh, Arizona First interviews in and hearing from all our friends. We wish them all the best and congratulations. And we'll be tracking them before we bring them back sometime closer to the uh, general election in November. Uh, Speaking of which, so a big component of what will be the referendum on the Biden regime is the passing of these two America last pieces of legislation this week that are now through the House and Senate. I don't know why. Well, well, I mean, in the Senate, you know, it's it's Kamala Harris is always going to break a 50-50 tie. But, you know, people that gave up in the House and just didn't hold the line, even though we didn't have the numbers, there had to be some better whipping because, you know, these two bills will now give Joe Biden something that pundits will call his legacy, mm-hmm. uh, which he doesn't deserve and, and hopefully won't factor in too much after he's impeached next year. And, uh, you know, it's, it probably ends the senatorial reigns of both Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Um, you know, we, we asked about it on our Tuesday edition of the show, Anthony. And I'd like to think what, uh, where your brain is on this. So, you know, they voted on Friday for this bill in the Senate. And mm-hmm. uh, the raid at Mar-a-Lago happened Monday. So do you think... That Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema would have still been yeses if the raid happened before the vote. I don't think so. No, Neither do I.
8: Yeah, I don't think so.
3: Alan and Noah were 50-50. Uh, they mm-hmm. were both leaning towards more Manchin than Sinema, but I think Kristen Sinema knows how much of MAGA country she really lives in. Right. And that unlike 2020, these elections are literally going to be under the microscope, um, especially sure. with the caliber of candidates they have running there. I, I think she probably would have balked on this. Yeah, I think so too. But uh we'll get into that in a little bit. We we do want to talk about the record no inflation that the Biden administration was touting and uh you know, we talked about it in our news one a little bit what the equation was. If you've uh, fast-forwarded and are just jumping to the back end of the show because you like the outros and the after credits, then uh welcome, but uh you know, just because the actual inflation rate didn't increase throughout the month of July, it doesn't mean that inflation has gone down to zero. That's one hundred percent incorrect. The national average is still around nine percent. In places sure like yeah, in places like New York, Chicago, and uh, you know Los Angeles, inflation is still around thirty percent. And just because the inflated gas prices, which is up anywhere between three and four dollars in, in many states throughout the country, has dipped down fifty percent, um, the prices of things like rent and food. Uh, continue to go through the roof uh, when you could find what you need. And, you know, the message. From... I'm sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying the message from the administration definitely skewed the narrative. And uh, I'll let you take it. What were you going to say?
8: I was just going to say, I know people in New York, it's so bad there, for example. Like they, they can't even drive to work. It's that bad. So they're taking the bus. It's it's despicable.
3: And we've all seen those videos of what happens on the buses there.
8: Oh, I know. That's another thing.
3: Did you see the one last week where the people like literally set up a slip and slide on the bus?
8: Oh my God. What the hell is happening?
3: And, and there's like all people like in their business suits trying to go to work, and there's like five people like flying down the bus on the slip and slide, getting them all wet.
8: Dude, I, I was living in New York years ago, and it was crazy. I can't even imagine what it's like now. Like, no. I, <laughs> I refused when I when I visit to go down into the subway. I went once. I, was, I walked right back out. I was like, nope, I'm taking a cab. Yeah. Well,
3: <laughs> well let's hear Joe Biden, who was probably spoon fed this narrative by one of his handlers to go on fake news CNN, uh, who covered his presser to lie about it. Before I begin
1: today, I want to say a word about the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. Zero percent. Here's what that means. While the price of some things go up, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. The result, zero inflation last month. Oh. The people are still hurting. Zero increase, But zero inflation. inflation last month. Oh. Economists look at a measure of inflation that ignores food and energy prices, and they call it core inflation. That's about the lowest amount in several years, several months. When you couple that with last week's booming jobs report of 528,000 jobs created last month and 3.5% unemployment, it underscores the kind of economy we've been building. We're seeing a stronger labor market where jobs are booming and Americans are working. And we're seeing some signs that inflation may be getting to moderate. That's what happens when you build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. The wealthy do very well and everyone has a chance. It gives everyone a chance to make progress.
7: Stop it. No, those
8: jobs are people getting second, third, fourth
3: jobs. Yeah, they certainly are
8: madness
3: and we're still nowhere millions literally millions of people uh from the from the original 10 million 10 plus million lost from covid we're still nowhere even near it we're still in the sixes of people who returned to work or found some other avenue of employment
8: i know it's just oh god
18: yeah
8: people are hurting and it's so sad i just hope people can hang on long enough you know for things to change and by the midterms hopefully after that like they hit the ground running, and we get some some good stuff going.
3: Well, we won't see any more bills like these two pieces of shit passed. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into them, let's hear Kamal Harris spoke at a separate event on the same day and uh, parroted the same <laughs> narrative. Let's hear her, well, talk as elegantly as she does.
8: I can't stand this her
7: work will mean more jobs, more job security, and better pay. Oh. <laughs> so... The President and my vision for the future also means lowering costs for Americans. Today, we learned that last month, our economy had zero percent inflation. In July, we saw a drop in gas prices and a range of other goods, like clothing and airfares and household appliances, which means more money in the pockets of working families. Combined with the fact that our nation created more than half a million jobs last month, it is clear that our nation is making progress.
1: What a stupid son of a bitch.
3: (laughs) Who has the extra money in this economy to go out and just buy household appliances? (laughs) (laughs) No. like the fact that they throw that stuff on us is just like, I always, I always find tweets like that. And it's like, I always caption them with not only do they fucking hate you, but they're rubbing your face in it.
8: Yeah. yeah. They're they're literally, they're gaslighting the fuck out of people. Like there's no tomorrow. It's unbelievable. It's, it's a joke. You're like, Really? (laughs) Oh man.
3: It's yeah, it's embarrassing. And you know, these, these two bills that have passed are, are, are quite embarrassing too. You know, we haven't really had a chance to get into them. We we had segments in our Tuesday edition of the show, which we told you guys that in CPAC Uh, we scrubbed them both for the, for the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, We wanted to give as much comprehensive coverage and get ahead of the narrative as we can, which we did. Um, But you know, this chip act does nothing for for us. It, 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 Increases reliance on places like Taiwan, which produces 90% of uh, all chip-related materials that, that come into the United States, uh, a place that will be probably part of mainland China in the next 20 years. Fact. Yep. Um, in addition to that, for our domestic chip production, which is you know around 5% of the totality of the, what we need, it has um, shit written into it that's going to incorporate en masse foreign workers to take away from u.s jobs Mm. and you know visa workers and stuff like that um who all scam the immigration system they come here they either vacate their visa they get new employment and and live under fraudulent terms or they just do the more traditional route they found a nice american girl they get her pregnant and then they don't have to go anywhere (laughs) you you know it's one of those things that's that's a huge component of our broken immigration system and uh you know, yeah. all of those things are written into the bill. In, in addition to that, so much reckless spending. I think out of the $280 billion that's written into the CHIPS Act, yeah, only $80 billion of that is actually focused on ch- domestic chip-related issues. All oh, the rest God. is bullshit. Oh, my God. Wh- which includes yeah, providing nice funding thing. for oversight of itself.
18: <laughs> and, and
3: it's just like, you know, it's like the same thing with the Inflation Reduction Act. We're going to see... People getting taxed, uh, incurring new taxes of up to 30% in avenues of their life where they just can't afford it right now.
8: Ooh, as and, if it's not bad enough.
3: Yeah, and, and when you talk about all the Green New Deal bullshit that's intertwined into this bill, it says it's like roughly $1.7 trillion in spending. It's literally blank paychecks for all of this stuff. Mm. And, and, and would take decades to like add to our... You know, pre-existing system of of how we rely on fossil fuels, uh, to where it's just going to continue to send this country up the up up the river. You know, in regards to bankrupting it and increasing our national debt. Just- so more more ridiculous, unrelated spending. In addition to that, I don't think Joe Biden's fully recovered from COVID. Um, he's gone throughout the course of the week chugging water and just hacking a lung up all over the place. Uh, I saw when he was talking about the chip Act the other day. I got a portion of it coming up right here. He literally coughed in his hand throughout the entirety of his brief statement that he gave on it, and then proceeded to go and shake everybody's hand.
8: Oh my. Lord.
3: With the hand he coughed in. And then when he got switched out by uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer did the rounds and went and shook everybody's hand. It was the woman standing next to Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden, and then the last other three people, ending with Nancy Pelosi. He got past Joe Biden, and Joe Biden stood there for like a second and then put his hand out like he forgot that he had had his hand shaken already. And it's just like oh it, it, the optics. Are even
8: have COVID? It's, it has to be something else. Come on now.
3: Yeah, uh, well, it, whatever it is, the, the slow poisoning of Joe Biden does not sound too great. Let's, <laughs> let's hear him talk about the chip Axe right now.
1: Manufacturing the backbone of our economy <coughs> Was hollowed out
8: may stop We let it, really? semiconductor
1: manufacturing go overseas And as a result, today We barely produce 10% of the semiconductors <coughs> Excuse me. Despite being the leader in chips design As well as research And as we saw during the pandemic Water When factories that make these chips shut down the global economy comes to a screeching halt, driving up costs for families <laughs> and everyone, not just here but around the world. One third of the core inflation last year was due to the higher price for automobiles. For automobiles <laughs> and a shortage of. Oh my gosh.
3: Oh. <laughs> yeah.
8: Why would they even let him talk? I don't know. What I- the hell?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think
8: the people that are that are working with them—they're just taking the piss now.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and, again, it goes back to the to the laughing lizard people. Yeah. Like, and then we let him talk about the chip act, and and he's just sitting there like hacking up a lung the whole time and spilling water down his chin.
10: Holy shit, dude! They...
3: Brian Kilmeade had a good lead in talking about uh, consequently the other bill that we're seeing uh, heading to Joe Biden's desk right now, and that's the Inflation Air Quoting Reduction Act. Uh, I want you to want to play a part of his cold open right now so we cover both of them. Here it is.
14: Hours from now, House Democrats will vote to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. The bill gives, among other things, $80 billion to the IRS. Mm. That is six times the IRS's current annual budget. No joke. Even in a world where Joe Biden can print money at will, $80 billion seems to be a lot of money. That's four times the cost of building a wall, which we paid for already, with Mexico, by the way, between us and Mexico. And we could certainly use that wall, don't you think? Joe Biden has allowed well over a million illegal immigrants into our country and counting. Under Joe Biden, crime is also skyrocketing. Chicago, burglaries are up 32%. Theft, 66%. Los Angeles, you've been there lately? Yeah. Up 13%. Seems a lot worse. Can you imagine people actually got out of their cars? Rapes are up 10% in New York City. With $80 billion, you could almost double the amount of money the U.S. spends on policing each year and get those numbers down. But Democrats would rather vote to supersize and weaponize the IRS uh, IRS, instead of, I don't know, voting on a police funding bill, which has been stalled in Congress for weeks. Thanks, Nancy Pelosi. So even at a time when we have a record number of illegals pouring over the border and crime in our cities is rising, Joe Biden has been telling us we just have no choice but to hire more IRS agents. Here's Joe explaining himself. Look, you uh, um, uh,
1: if you. If you get a, uh, if you file with a W-2 form, um, you know, the uh, the IRS has access to your bank account Uh-oh. and your bank tells you how much you made, what you have in there, and, you know, and, and they estimate your tax. Uh-oh. Well, if you, ha- if you have no income, you're just, it's all, uh, if you have no earned income and it's all investment income, it's hard to figure out what the hell you, excuse me, what the heck you have. Uh-oh. And that's why we have to, and I know, Some people don't like this. That's why we have to rehire some IRS agents. And not to do anything, not to try to make people pay something they don't know, just say, hey, step up. Step up and
14: pay like everybody else does. Did, did that make any sense to you? You know what really struck me? We're going to have to pay over and over again on investment income, even on losses. they yep. actually going to give us a refund under the Joe Biden rule of law. Instead of hiring nearly 90,000 new IRS agents, how about hiring more Border Patrol agents? Last year, there were just under 20,000 Border Patrol agents working for Customs and Border Protection. These agents are being overrun. Most of them are off the line and dealing with these illegal immigrants. Here's a look at the border from just last weekend.
3: A large majority of the migrant, And I mean, we cover the border enough on this show. We don't need to get into that part of the segment. It's just, it's really sad to see.
8: Uh, Like, what's the point? Like, what? See, the only thing that... It doesn't make sense. Why do do they need more IRS agents, right? Um, The only thing that it tells me is that... (laughs) They're coming after us. <laughs> Police know?
3: state confirmed, as if yeah, we already 100%. didn't know that we were there.
8: Right, exactly. But this is like further proof, and they're not even trying to hide it. Like, I mean, really?
3: listen for, for the people who did bad stuff on on during events like January sixth. That's like one thing, but the constitutional yeah. violations that happened on that day in regards to like illegally monitoring U.S. citizens without the appropriate like FISA warrants and stuff like that, and, and going outside the parameters of the pre-existing. Uh, you know, Patriot Act and, and things of that nature. This is fucking ridiculous.
0: Um,
3: and, and now it's like, you know, according to uh, Representative Scott Perry, if, if they don't have it, they're just going to knock on your fucking hotel door when you're at Disney World and say, let me see your cell phone. And we'll give it back to you when we're done with it.
8: Which is madness. I would have smashed my shit. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I, I said, hang on, I, I got to go get it. And then I would have just locked the door and, and smashed the shit out of it.
8: Just on principle, even though I have nothing to hide. but Here you go. Here's a broken phone.
3: (laughs) No, absolutely. If you guys can put it together, you're more than welcome to it. Please be respectful when you're looking at my wife's Make it more
8: difficult for them, you know, for even attempting to to do that shit, man. That's just wild.
3: Yeah, and and remember, the the things that we talked about um, in regards to uh, what's written into these bills um, has to do with, you know, a lot of the stuff that's in green new politics and how hurtful they're going to be when it comes to the spending that it takes for the administration to, well, the regime to get their point across. So Kamala Harris weighed in on that. Obviously she doesn't know what she's talking about. We could probably make fun of her while she tries to explain it. Let's hear it.
7: Investment on the climate crisis is extraordinary and will literally be the largest that our nation has ever made to address this crisis, the leaders of California and in this Bay Area have been national and international leaders. And these investments then, as we all know, are about what we need to do (laughs) to really take on with vigor and serious resources the issue, but also in the process, create millions of good paying jobs, including good union jobs. (laughs) So this is the work that we are doing.
3: They won't create millions of jobs. You know, they're only speculating that there's going to be hundreds of thousands of jobs created from the CHIPS Act. And uh, that's yet to be determined because of all the foreign visa workers uh, that are going to be coming here to to steal those jobs. (laughs) Um, Getting close to, to home plate right now, I got a few left. One was, well, she's getting ready to check out for the weekend, so please pardon the slurred speech. Nancy Pelosi weighed in on the Inflation Reduction Act today. Let's hear her kind of fumble through one of them.
16: And today, today (laughs) is really a a glorious day for us. Uh, We send to the president's desk a monumental bill that will will be truly for the people, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, we, I commend uh, Leader Schumer did a masterful job in the Senate for his work uh, to send the legislation uh, to the president, to us, then to the president, sadly, for all the good that it does without one Republican vote.
10: Mm. Good. <laughs>
3: right?
8: I can't even listen to her.
3: <laughs> so coming across the wire right now... Um, those receipts that Christina Bob talked about mm. have made it to online they have they have mm. uh, I'm looking through it right now, and I'm looking through the descriptions of items, grant of clemency for Roger Stone information oh, like reg- in yeah well, it's itemized receipt information regarding the President of France. I'm just going to read the important ones here. Binders of photos, binders of photos. Okay. Miscellaneous secret documents. There's a couple of those. (laughs) Here we go. Let me find. There's two pages of it. This one is more miscellaneous secret documents, a confidential document. That's it. And it's signed for by.
8: Yeah. Who is Who signed it?
3: Christina Bob attorney
17: really-hmm
3: mm. yeah, not really anything uh too breathtaking in there i wish I wish there was more, but uh that's about it. and in our last audio clip of the week, as we kind of you know for those listening for the first time on Friday afternoon and uh are just learning that information for the first time, uh representative Jim Banks jumped on with Botox Queen. Last night. So Mar-a-Lago was Monday. The Mm -hmm. New York Attorney General disposition, which Donald Trump answered, uh, he confirmed that his name was Donald John Trump and then proceeded to invoke the Fifth Amendment 440 (laughs) times over the course of five hours. I love it. God bless him. He's right. Leticia, just not going to say it. (laughs) Fifth. The Dave Chappelle ones that were out there, uh, they were just epic. Um,
8: memes. Yeah, I'll send
3: that one to you. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that he talked about uh, so they huddled while he was in New York on Tuesday night. I guess a lot of the uh, members of the upper echelon of the House, unfortunately, and, and you're going to hear Jim Banks talk about it on some of the people that were there. Don't thrill us. But, you know, they have to hold on on message right now and kind of show unity as uh, the president's going through this. But all things are on the table after the midterms. Enough talking about it. Let's hear Representative Banks, who who we don't hear enough on TV, kind of allude to what that meeting was about.
19: Despite everything Trump has been through, uh, there there's a new level of outrage he's expressing tonight. Uh, why do you suspect that is? Pray tell. And from members. From well, members more, who are there. I've never
21: seen... I've never seen President President Trump as fired up as what he was tonight. He is not deterred. He's not phased at all by what the DOJ has done to him. An unprecedented move of raiding the home of a former president and not at all explaining to the American people about why they did it. But House Republicans, we took there were a dozen of us that visited with President Trump tonight. We, we wanted to go and, and tell President Trump we stand with him. And when Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan will be the, the right man at the right time in the right place as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee to hold the Department of Justice accountable for these actions. House Republicans are unified more than ever before to fight alongside President Trump to save this country we we largely all everyone in the room encouraged President Trump to run for president again and the sooner he gets out and starts campaigning the better he helps Republicans in the midterm elections to get out uh, his voters to support uh, growing a historic Republican majority over the next two years that'll pave the way for winning back the White House in 2024 we have to Congressman get it done.
19: banks there was some
3: so I like it don't love it Unification is obviously key when you're incurring these vicious attacks from from the government and the agencies that, uh, you know, mm. came down on Mar-a-Lago this week, but uh, I hope some of those talking points, especially the one when he talked about Speakers of the House, uh, mm. changes between now and, uh, well, January. What do you mm. think, Antoinette? Uh, crazy busy week. I'm hoping that the weekend's a little bit less chill. I'd like to do, like... You know, mm-hmm. still a good information-wise, but maybe a less having to scour the, every angle of the internet and, and, like, literally calling these people who are going through stressful situations and texting them and being like, come on, give me, like, a little bit. Just like one little crumb. <laughs> yeah. One yeah, little no. crumb you didn't say on Fox News. One little crumb you didn't say on War Room. And, and we brought you a couple of those today, so.
8: I think we'll learn more after the weekend. Yeah. You know, more to come for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, like, you know, everything after the raid and what really comes out, you know, I mean, you got the receipt now, but it'll be interesting to see like more detailed because of the, you know, those miscellaneous secret documents and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. So (laughs) I I really think it's going to be a huge nothing burger. We've already pretty much debunked the fact that, um, you know, the whole nuclear component of it. I didn't see codes for the nuclear footballs on any of those lists. Um,
8: Does Anybody really think that Trump would have left anything there that like it's and that he he didn't know ahead of time like I, I honestly in my opinion and I was just like theorizing I'm like he's he's always 10 steps ahead sure is, you know, and I feel like they just totally set themselves up he's obviously, you know, like I said 10 steps ahead. He's like, oh, I got. I hope they do this shit, you know, because then I got them, <laughs> sort of thing. No, I'm like, I'm I, I, I think you... it's done now, and it's they're fucked. They completely fucked themselves with this, and it's gonna be hilarious because when when Trump punches back. It's ten times harder.
3: <laughs> it certainly is, and the thing is, I, you know, I, I was thinking about what what Representative Banks said, and I love him. He he's tough. Yeah, he's yeah. very quiet, but he carries big stick. He's like yeah. a he's like a like a smaller version of, of what Trump is. Uh, don't necessarily love everything he votes on, but for the most part, I think he was like in the '90s for for MAGA agenda. So mm-hmm. you know, don't hate that. But I, I would have. I would go out on a limb and say I'd give a month's salary to have been able to sit in that room and hear how he... You know, it's it's almost equally their fault that we're in this place, you know, and it comes back to everything. And, you know, you've seen people like Ted Cruz almost fearfully back himself into getting back in Donald Trump's corner. And Mm -hmm. you've seen some House and Senate Republicans who are kind of like fair weather MAGA, kind of knowing that, like okay, when daddy comes next time, it's not going to be pretty. And I hope he talked about, like, their lack of urgency and, you know, instances of complacency is a really large portion of the reason why we're in this position, why there were federal agents raiding Mar-a-Lago on Monday. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I, I hope there was a are you fucking with me or not, because if you're not, stop coming to these things. Stop saying, things about me stop pretending that you support me because it's gonna be like all in or get the fuck out
8: now do or die dude like end of like it's stop eating around the bush stop being wishy-washy leaf in the wind like you're either in or you're effing out end of like because when they when they come back (laughs) it's gonna be a bloodbath and i think they're realizing that now like and it's, it's making them nervous. So that's why they're like, okay, I need to hop back on, man. Like this shit's getting real, you yeah. know, sort of situation.
3: And I mean, like, I understand, and this is what should it at least be a little bit right now
8: through this regime and whatnot, you know, but still you got to show your loyalty. Like, where do you sit? Where do you stand? Cause you're going to get
18: cut
3: big Boom. time. And, yeah. and it goes back to like, let's talk about the eight and 10 of impeachers. You know yeah. a lot of those candidates who are house representatives now won their races 2 years ago by like between 60 and 70% margins as politicians right. and they've now been primary Joe Kent was killing ISIS in Iraq <laughs> 3 years ago literally and yeah. he just ran one of the toughest house primaries probably in the modern history and beat an incumbent who was pro-Trump up until January 6th. I mean, that's no time. You're talking about 18 months ago. Like, she was in Donald Trump's good standings. You know, she, she voted for impeachment, and that was it. She's done. Like, Mitch McConnell, he's, he's done. done. <laughs> and people it's like sick. like Lindsey Graham, they're done. It's just, man, I'm going to send it to you. It was a really long clip. It was like six minutes long. Uh, I, I didn't fit it into the show, but I'll play it for you, Antoinette. We should probably yeah. put up it on our social medias. So, Pigface Lady G went on Jesse Waters on Monday night. And they got into it and, and they're kind of like laying it out there for like, you know, they they were both on the same page. And then like, you know, Lindsey Graham, I for I don't even know what he said. Dude, Jesse Waters like eyes twitch. and he's like, Man, that's really weird. I heard you get pissed off about like Ukraine more than you're pissed off right now. And and Lindsey Graham was like, hey, what? And he's like, No, I'm serious. Like, I I hear you go on other shows and like talk about, you know. Droning Vladimir Putin and taking over Russia. And if it gets to nuclear war, we're there. He's like, the last president of this country was just swatted by the current president of this country. He's been out of office for less than two years. And, like, I don't see you bringing the same level of anger that you yeah. do when, like, we're funneling money to Ukraine. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, Jesse, there's, like, a process. He's like, what, proce- what process did the Department of Justice use? Right. Like, what process did the FBI use? This isn't legit. And exactly. he, like, basically threw him off the show. So yeah. that's probably the last time he's going on there, but uh, it, it was kind of ugly. And you see Lindsey Graham's like trying to laugh and like walk it back. And Jesse Waters was just like,
17: no, no. What he's the like, fuck, fuck, man? You, and
8: get the hell out of here. And like, people are done with your asses. It's over. And I, I just didn't think that they're so out of touch too, you know, and they're getting like rude awakenings left and right.
3: Yeah, we, we certainly are. And speaking of all those people, I guess the best part, even if it's a slow news weekend, is the amazing narratives we're going to get on Tuesday. Because at the Mm -hmm. very least, we're going to have Donald Trump's attorney, Christina Bob, here joining us to uh, bring that whole narrative and do a little bit of the news. In addition to that, aforementioned now Republican nominee in Washington 3, Joe Kent, will be joining us as well. In addition to whoever else decides to jump on this weekend. So I guess we'll kind of take it from here and... uh, I'm thankful for you being back today, Antoinette, and uh, you know, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll just uh, keep it rolling with this crazy ass week that we just had. You know, every week we end the week by saying it's a crazy ass week, and here we are. is um, getting crazier. Yeah, we, you
8: know, it's to be expected. <laughs>
3: we don't have to watch grainy videos of uh, the Watergate scandals anymore. Now we got to see it in real time, uh, starring some starring some of our friends. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's just absolutely bananas, but uh, we'll be picking it up on Tuesday and uh, bringing you a hard-hitting episode of Steak for Breakfast for sure. think of a better way to end the week than with all our, uh, well, arizona themed episode and friends joining us today. Absolutely excellent sitting down with all of them. In addition to that, bringing you guys the news. If you enjoyed this and the other 159 episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find them all. Across every major downloadable podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, PodAdic, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share. Stay for breakfast content. Show creds, of course, go to all of our amazing guests today, in addition to them, some of our internet friends. Q White Memes, the Patriotic Baby Counts, Ultra Dark Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. You like sleeping? Michael take care of it. You like breakfast? Well, he's got coffee to uh, accent whatever plate you're eating off of. When you enter a promo code steak at checkout, you get big, big savings. That's the uh, bottom line right there. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. For everything sleep-related, mystore.com forward slash steak. For everything morning coffee-related. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and everything in-studio recording equipment related can be found at Odyssey. These are my favorite headphones. You can't imagine the difference taking care of your in-studio equipment makes. If you're in the podcasting game, if you're doing a little music, check out the website Make the Investment odyssey.com find them on Facebook and Instagram stay ready gear holsters if you want a picture of uh, well, if you want to put Carrie Lake on a concealed Kydex holster not a bad idea yeah. I'd like it and uh, they'll get the orders out faster than ever before stay, stay ready Gear.com is the website Are on Instagram and Facebook as well man rubs staying in the same thread you buy it you shake it you sprinkle it you rub it on whatever piece of uh, meat fish pork chicken Throw it into the apparatus of your cooking choice. And eventually into your mouth. Num, num, num. I like it. Mike oh. down at West Coast Survival Arms has a newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. In addition to that, the best equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, and accessories. west WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is it. Talk to them on Facebook Messenger or the via, via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like all the great gear they've got going on down there. I think you're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMatic.com is the website And the home of the Zero Stuck. Dumpbox.us, still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday, he's on Facebook Messenger as well You can find him on Instagram Upcoming shows, we'll be back on Tuesday with Christina Bob She'll be joining us, I don't know if anybody penciled in yet for Friday But based on how uh, great our week took off this week and ended I'm pretty sure we'll be bringing you guys some great guests On the 26th of August, we're going to be sitting down with Geisha Montez to do the news And we're going to have an exclusive segment with Cash Patel and Devin Nunez and we'll see what's happening with some of our other guests lining them up. Friends of the Week, rounding it out into the weekend. Let's go off the list of usual suspects. Let's go, Brenda. Silent Meme Jordy. Madam America. We had a nice collab this week. Hugh White. We had a nice collab again this week as well. The Real Smoke of Hauntas, mm. My Willow Memes. Gabriel Savage. C3P Meme. The Real Meme DeLorean. I got to mention him every week because I st- stole him valor. Real Al Gorbachev, Midnight Mitch, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. If we did our own research, we would have known the last Tuesday primary elections in Arizona were going to be a lot closer than we suspected. We might have been a little bit more prepared, but we got everybody over the finish line and we're heading into the generals. Number one thing, do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. I guess TBA, huh? Yep. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. You want to talk about American Greatness? It comes in the names of Carrie Lake, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and Blake Masters, representing the state of Arizona and Arizona in the U.S. Senate. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 160 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with 161 on Tuesday. We're going to have at least Christina Bob here, so win. And uh, on behalf of the pod team, I'm our Noah. Later. Maybe, Antoinette, we can throw in a bye, guys. Thanks for listening, and take care.
12: If I'd raised you, I could've made you better.
1: And not some weak, sniveling pussy starved for attention. But there's no fixing that
9: now.
10: Weak? I'm you.
9: I know. You're a fucking disappointment.
18: But I'm stronger You're not-
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. (laughs) Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear. A little less (laughs) garrison on the next
18: cut. (laughs) And
0: from the top. That was so good,
5: though. Yeah, I know.